Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. What? Over? Did you say Over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Germans? Forget it, he's rolling. And it ain't over now. Because when the going gets tough... The tough get going! Who's with me? Let's go! Come on! Well, when in doubt, Mike Sielski, I go to 1970s movies, and I figured, what more appropriate than that? Good morning, everybody. I'm Glenn Mack now here in the Delaware Valley. Mike Sielski, my partner in Houston. Today, I, I trust that your flight and your hotel and all that was good, Mike? All is well uh, in the world of national travel, I guess you'd call it, Glenn. So I am settled in here in Houston and ready to cover Game 6 tonight. Good. Well, here we go. Here we are. You know the facts. Phillies down three games to two tonight. Tomorrow, we hope. Houston win both games. Your world champions and Mike, Phillies fans need to I mean, cross their fingers, hope that Zach Wheeler is as great of the, as they have seen him many times before. Hope that that hot, cold offense gets hot again. Hope that no hard grounders get hit to Reese Hoskins. Uh, try to live <laughs> for tomorrow. Um your your thoughts on today? We're gonna we're in a couple of minutes go back and review the other night, but just kind of your thoughts on today. Um, and again, actually, before I ask you that, before I ask you, I'm not okay. sure that how much you got to get the pulse of the city down there, and versus eating barbecue and drinking beer with your colleagues, <laughs> which I assume was part of it. But give us the picture from. Well, they call it Space City, right? It's not H-Town. Yeah. H-Town H- is town <laughs> where I live, mind you. Yeah, you, you uh, know, it's, um, yeah, it's interesting, Glenn. So I got up this morning and uh, was on my way to uh, the studio here in, in Houston where I'm doing the show. And I get into my elevator, and who is already there but Mike D'Antoni, former oh. NBA head coach, former mm-hmm. Sixers assistant coach. And so we're chatting on the ride down to the lobby, and he says, first thing he says to me is, boy, tough situation there. And I say, yeah, you know, Harden's hurt and Embiid hasn't been in the lineup, but Tyrese Maxey's playing well. And he says, oh, no, 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 I meant the Astros. Um, so that was the start of the morning. And then I got into my, my Uber uh, to ride over to the station here, and I'm chatting with my driver. And I said, are, are people here into the Astros? Are they, is the city wrapped up in the World Series? And he says, 
yeah, but what we're really ticked off about is that story about how the Astros couldn't get served at Angelo's Pizza and Mike's uh. Barbecue. <laughs> By the so way, he, was it was 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 a was wrong. It was, yes, it, they couldn't get served yes. because the restaurants weren't staying open that late. One wasn't staying open that late. The other could not handle an order that or didn't do that kind of cuisine. Right. That's the right. Astros had asked for Latin food from a barbecue yeah. restaurant. Yes. Right. Um, so that, that story is incorrect. But yeah, okay. so I'm glad they're worked up about that. <laughs> I was going to say, needless to say, Glenn, I did not run into anybody wearing orange, yellow, white striped t-shirts screaming yeah. their faces off about the prospect of an Astros World Series and well, World Championship. Go. All right. Let, so. let, let us spend a minute, Mike, just um, kind of reviewing Game 5 the other night. It was a tense, exciting game, ultimately disappointing, of course. It was there to win. <sighs> Phillies left 12 runners on base. They went 1-7 for seven with runners in scoring position. Houston takes it 3-2. to two. Shield Kapadia uh, of the Athletic had a very interesting note and i'm not i mean I'm, I'm not as big on these kind of things you know as others are but there were 16 balls the other night hit at an exit velocity of 95 plus the phillies had 11 of them mm-hmm. there were 12 balls hit with an expecting batting average of 500 plus the phillies had nine of those and of course they missed chances to score in the second third fifth sixth and eighth and mike if if they lose the series that's going to be the game that stings more than the no hitter to me yeah, I agree with you, Glenn. Um, and in a series, uh, in any postseason series, right, uh, time is crunched. Y- you can look at long se- long-term trends over a full season all you want, but in a postseason series, moments matter. And you go back to the moment, for instance, I guess it was the bottom of the eighth inning where the Phillies have first and third with one out, and Brandon Marsh strikes out. And you know, Brandon Marsh is the ninth hitter in the lineup and has been pretty good for the Phillies since he came here. Uh, but that's a moment where you need a hitter to put the ball in play. And for all the talk of, as you said, the exit velocity and the number of balls that the Phillies hit hard in Game 5, they didn't hit the ball hard in that moment, and, and they needed that. And then, of course, Kyle Schwarber comes up next, and uh, you have... Uh, the first baseman holding Gene Segura on, and Schwarber hits an, hits an absolute rocket down the first baseline right at the first baseman. Yeah. So uh, bad luck there. Um, but yeah, Their first that, baseman actually it. caught the ball. Yeah. How about that? Um, you know, something we're not accustomed Unique. to seeing lately. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think if if the Phillies end up losing this series, Game Five is going to be the one uh, that we look back on and say that was their opportunity and they didn't take it. Okay. So. Moving on, what has to happen now is that Rob Thompson and the players have to, as they have said and others have said, have the flush it out mentality, right? This is this is a team that has done that before. This is a team, of course, we know that was 21-29 at the end of May. This is a team that was 12 and a half games back in the National League East. Well, they didn't win the East, but nonetheless, those other teams are gone. This is a team that has shown resilience but this is their first elimination game of the postseason, and they need to win against an Astros team that had a mere 108 wins during the regular season against an Astros team that never seems to make an error or mistake. Uh, and tonight against the lefty Framber Valdez, a 2022 All-Star who has given up just three runs and three starts this postseason. Of course, he won game two of the series, gave up one run in, I think it was six and two-thirds innings touched his glove in his pocket and did all kinds of weird stuff. But (laughs) what has to happen tonight, uh, first and foremost, is the Phillies have to figure out a way to reach this guy. 
Yeah, they do. Uh, they didn't hit him much in game two. Uh, and they were down quickly in that game as well, which kind of amped up the pressure on them to to try to forge another comeback, and they weren't able to do it. Uh, yeah, look, let's be honest about some things here. Um, they need some of their big hitters to turn things around. Uh, JT Romuto, for instance, and I'm sympathetic to the idea that, that JT is just maybe worn down at this point. He's caught yeah. something like 250 more innings than any other catcher uh, in the major leagues, but since hitting that game-winning home run in Game One, uh, he's one for seventeen with eleven strikeouts. Now, y- you hope that that long fly ball he hit in the ninth inning that Chaz McCormick made such a great play on gets him squared up again. Um, I watched that thing thirty times, and every time I think it's going to fall in. Yeah, yeah, and sh- and give all due respect to Chad McCormick, a Westchester native and Millersville alumnus, uh, mm-hmm. because it was a great potential game-saving play. Uh, Reese Hoskins is hitting 142 in the series. Um, Nick Castellanos is 3-for-20 and has come up in some spots where he he could have done damage and was unable to do so. So the Phillies need these guys to get going. You you can't rely on just Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber to be heroes time and time again. So uh, if they're going to solve Valdez tonight, I think it has to start with those three guys. I think that's a great way to put it. By the way, 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494. We are looking forward to talking to you today. Uh, the other big issue that we're going to see tonight, and we'll see how this plays out, is Zach Wheeler. Um, yeah. Fatigue. Something he is going to have to overcome. So to recap, he missed... A full month late in the season, he had right forearm tendonitis, elbow inflammation, made three starts late in September, stretched out to 77 pitches, uh, was throwing 99 miles an hour, dominated the Cardinals, dominated the Braves, San Diego twice. You know, was they were saying he had the best whip in the history of the postseason, but last uh, Saturday night, I guess it was, uh, in Houston, game two, which Phillies lose 5-2, to two, he gives up those five runs, Six hits, three walks, and just five innings. His velocity is clearly down. His command wasn't good. His quote the other day, and this one doesn't make me doesn't give me solace. It's just late in the season. It's a bad time for it to happen. But yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Mike, it is what it is. Is not the motto I want on the Phillies <laughs> twenty-two uh, season yearbook. You know. Yeah, it isn't. Um, I will say this, Glenn, if you're looking for a ray of optimism, I, I went through Wheeler's starts this season, um, and he made four starts in a similar situation to the one that's presenting itself tonight, in, in that he made four starts this season with at least six days of rest, okay? And and one of those starts, of course, was when he came off the injured list. Mm-hmm. Um, but over those four starts, he threw 22 and a third innings, he allowed only 13 hits and four earned runs, and he struck out 24 so and had a 1.61 ERA. So, yes, it's been a long season. Yes, those quotes are not exactly, uh, you know, give me the ball and get on my back, guys. But um, <laughs> Just get me to the plate, boys. I need that. Right, right, exactly. Um, but if you're looking for a silver lining, he's been excellent this season when he has had six days of rest. And this is about the best you could hope for at in the World Series, that your best starting pitcher had six days to recuperate. Uh, he said yesterday, uh, after throwing a bullpen the day before, I think the extra rest always helps, but the bullpen felt good. I think we're on track. So, you know, look, this is going to be one of those moments that kind of 
can help define Zach Wheeler's career in the same way that Kurt Schilling in Game 5 of 1993 helped define his career. Like it. you know, throwing 140 pitches and change, um, the way that Schilling pitched in the 2001 World Series. Um, so, look, if you like drama, this is this is it. But I know people in Philadelphia don't like drama. They want seven runs in the first inning for the Phillies and cruise from there. <laughs> yes, let's get that five home run game again and just right. like not have to sweat it out. So do we believe in momentum? Um, because I really don't, and I know – you know, sometimes it's going your way, and, and, and the ball hit by J.T. Real Muto in the ninth inning. In, in other circumstances, that would have gone over McCormick's head or out of his glove. And, you know, the Real Muto would have been on third. Bryce Harper would have come up. There's the drama. We win. Um, and the Phillies have not gotten the big hits, right? The Astros' defense is so good that they've stolen a lot of them. But I will say I am of the mind that Momentum in baseball is the next starting pitcher. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this series has has kind of validated that, right? Um, the Phillies should have had momentum coming out of Game One, and the Astros came back and and won that game and won it handily. The Phillies should have had momentum coming out of Game Three, and they got no hit the next night. So, I, I don't think necessarily Phillies fans should be dismayed and saying, "Oh, well, the Astros have all the momentum now; they're rolling." Um, and so, therefore, the Phillies have no chance. You know, as we said, this team has been resilient. It would not be surprising to see them win tonight and force a Game 7, in which case, go ahead, flip a coin. Let's see what happens. Um, You know, I made a reference to somebody the other day. You know, the Astros played in a World Series not that long ago in 2019 in which the home team didn't win a single game in Mm -hmm. a seven-game series against the Washington Nationals. The Nationals came out, won the first two games in Houston, the Astros came back, swept the three games in D.C., and everybody thought, here we go. The Astros are a dynasty. They won the year before. They won in 2017. They're going to win again this year. And the Nationals pitching staff came out and shut them down in games six and seven at Minute Maid Park. So uh, you're right. I think there is no momentum. I think it's going to come down to how well Zach Wheeler throws tonight and whether maybe the one guy who I feel comfortable with at this point in a clutch situation, other than Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber, uh, Kandinsh Segura, you know, pop ah, the ball through so the funny. infield. Uh, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. he's been the one guy who's kind of done that in this postseason where, you know, just get the bat on the ball in this situation. And he's done it a couple of times and done damage when he has. So maybe that's what they need. They need Segura to be up in a clutch spot. I that, that's, a, that's a fine point. I think get the early lead tonight. Well, it's already a passive crowd, but silence it even more. Uh, get six solid from Wheeler. Um, you know, an early Schwarber home run to lead off would clearly make us all feel great. Have Gene Segura, as you say, kind of throw his bat outside the strike zone again and loop a single in the right field and, you know, drive in Real Muto or Castellanos or something. And look, this this team is a wild card team. This team has overcome a lot so far. This team has defied expectations so much to get where they are. I am not going to be the person to sit here today and tell you they can't do it again. One more time tonight. One extra swing goes your way. One Astro makes an error. Well, that would be novel. Uh, you know, you, you get one break. What, what does he say in Bull Durham? One gork. One Texas leaguer. One, one ground ball with eyes. Right. One bleeder. <laughs> right. You get one or two of those. 
All of a sudden, you got the lead. You turn it over to Sir Anthony and Alvarado, and all of a sudden, we're talking about Game 7 tomorrow, and I think it's it, it will be something. I, I'll just say, we'll get some callers in here, um, and please don't take this as, as me implying they're not going to win today because, I, I mean, I certainly believe they've got a very good shot to do so. It's great to see. It has been great over the last month to see baseball back in Philadelphia. It was pretty dormant over the last, I don't know, decade, whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And and we remember now how great it was during those years from 07 to 11. And um, the 46,000 that have just packed the stadium and made so much noise, the incredible TV ratings here, the seeing everybody out in public wearing their Philly stuff, greeting each other with a go fills. It has been a great month, and I would certainly like to see it continue for two more days, Mike. Oh, I agree. It's um, it, it shows the value uh, and the magic of baseball, and this is coming again from somebody who has lost some of his passion for the sport the last few years, uh, when it matters, uh, because there's a game every night, and the story is evolving and changing uh, every single day. Uh, that separates it from football. You know, everybody gets wrapped up in the Eagles when they make a run to the Super Bowl like they did in early 2018, um, but it's different because there's a game every single night, and it takes you on this roller coaster um, from a Tuesday to a Wednesday to a Thursday to the off day, and you can't wait for Game 6 Saturday. Uh, you go into withdrawal because you've you've gotten into this rhythm of excitement every single night. And, yeah, look, I think no matter what the outcome of the series, I think you're right, Glenn, that getting baseball back at the forefront of sports fans' minds in Philadelphia is nothing but a good thing. There you go. 215-592-9494. Let's talk to John and Manny. Young starts us out this morning. Hey, John. Hey, Glenn. I think uh, I'm really positive. I, I'm trying to stay positive on the Phillies, but I think the big difference is uh, when you got a guy on first and third, like when Marsh is up, uh, Harper, when he gets up there, he just like spreads out and just tries to put his bat on the ball. I don't think the rest of the guys do that. You know, just like put it in play. Yeah, well, I, I hate to say that's baseball these days, but it, yeah. it is so much that guys just every play or every at-bat swing for the fences. I thought there have been a lot of times this year uh, when the Phillies, uh, John and Mike, you know, played mm. effective small ball under mm. Rob Thompson. I have not seen that so much during the World Series. They had the opportunity. You mentioned it. Mike, I'll, mm. I'll see how you feel, and then I'll go to John um, the other night. Mm when they had the situation with Marsh up that a lot of people thought, hey, maybe that's a time to squeeze. Yeah, you know, I wondered about that too, Glenn, but that would be such a break from what they have done. Um, I can't think of another situation where they would have squeezed. Uh, and, you know, Marsh is your nine hitter. Um, at some level, he's got to be thinking, I'm not up here to do damage. I'm up here to put the ball in play. And just because he struck out doesn't mean he wasn't trying to put the ball in play. And I think the third factor you got to consider is that the Astros bullpen and pitching staff as a whole mm-hmm. is really good. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it is terrific. Again, they, they, are were, good. they no hit the Phillies in game four. Um, so give some credit to, to their staff as well in that situation. Hey, Glenn, I got a quick Eagles quote. Actually, from Lee. Yeah. Um, for the Eagles, say – the impossible. Say we get down there like fourteen and zero. Do you play mm-hmm. the guys the last couple games to break the Miami Dolphins on defeat record all the way or not? What would you do? I would. I would not um, cough up uh, the chance to go unbeaten. Uh, 
I, you know, I, I don't. It's oh, so. It would be so monumental. Jalen Hurts takes a cheap shot, my friend. I know, but it would be so monumental. Uh, you, you, you have to go for it, right? And I, I remember in I think it was two thousand nine, the Indianapolis Colts got to fourteen and zero, and Jim Caldwell rested Peyton Manning and and the starters, mm-hmm. um, and ended up not winning the Super Bowl anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm more of the mindset. You got a chance for for immortality. You take it. I am not. Oh, exactly. Wouldn't like that. I am. I <laughs> is it Mercury Morris? They do the toast every year. I am of yeah. the other mind. I want to win the Super Bowl. That is the only goal. I did not remember the Colts being fourteen and zero. Of course, they didn't win the Super Bowl. I would have remembered that. You had the whole thing with the Patriots that year against uh, when they lost to the Giants. Mm-hmm. Mike, it, it's all fine and dandy until somebody gets hurt, and if that happens, then you will regret it big time. I want the parade. They don't hold a parade for seventeen and zero. They hold a parade for winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I mean, look, there's there's arguments on both sides, right? I mean, Andy Reid took a lot of criticism uh, in two thousand four when he rested the starters in the last couple of games, uh, and especially got criticized because Terrell Owens had already been hurt, so there was fear that they're not going to be as good anyway. And now you're making them rusty. And then they came out and steamrolled the Vikings and Falcons and got to the Super Bowl anyway. Yeah, well, that's all I need. 215-592-9494. When we come back, we'll take your calls. We're also going to throw the Eagles into the conversation. They won on Thursday night. Some people not as impressed as maybe they ought to be. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
Brown and Smith stacked to the far side of the field. It is fourth and goal from the two. And in for the touchdown goes Miles Sanders, his sixth of the season. Well, there you go. That was Thursday night. Uh, Mike, I know you were covering the Phillies game. I was at home just wearing out the batteries on the remote going back. I I started watching on two screens. I had uh, uh, baseball on the computer, football on the TV. And it's like, like, I'm by myself nuts. I basically flipped back and forth. So much that at one thought time I thought that Bryson Stott, uh, Dr- Bryson Stott drove in Kenny Gainwell on a, on a nice <laughs> single, but nonetheless. Yeah, um, I'm just glad that the local affiliates uh, put the game on TV that people could see it other than Amazon Prime because trying to flip back and forth between Fox and Amazon Prime would have been so cumbersome and yes. challenging. You would have missed a lot of action. In and by the way, that is in the, that's in the rules, I think, that, that if it's on Amazon yes. Prime, when it's your team, you've got to put it on uh, more yep. approachable TV. Anyway, a couple things. First of all, stupid bet update. There is none. I think you, who do you lead now? 5-1, 6-1, some. I'm not I, I think it's it's 6-1. to one. It's an insurmountable deficit. It is an insurmountable lead, particularly with Britton Covey back there. I got no shot. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, it was funny to hear a lot of criticism of the Eagles after a 12-point win on the road. I mean, did they look great? No, they didn't, not in certain areas. But um, here's the deal. It's a Thursday night. It's short rest on the road. People know those games are tough. Those are trap games. They still won it by two scores. Um, and the fact that people were disappointed, I guess, just shows how well they have been playing. I was perfectly happy with it nobody got hurt um they they widened the lead on the cowboys and the giants uh, both of whom have buys this week jimmy kemsky of five of i'm sorry jimmy kemsky of phillyvoice.com quoted a 538.com number that says now the eagles have a 99 percent plus chance to make the playoffs a 74 percent chance to win the nfc east which i actually would think it would be higher and a 69 percent chance to earn the number one seed I was fine with it. I Again, I know you were wrapped up in the fills, but mm-hmm. any reason that we should be upset about the Eagles' win? No. Uh, I went back and watched most of the game uh, Friday uh, when I could. And look, one of the rea- there are two kind of competing realities here uh, that everybody should be aware of. Number one, the Eagles have raised their own standard for performance, right? When you're 5-0, and 6-0, and 7-0, and 8-0. and interrupt you for a second because this evokes yeah. an old WIP wing bowl slogan one year, which is we've Uh-oh. up our standards, now up yours. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's relevant to nothing, but you just... That's fine. okay. It's, it's still funny. Go um, ahead. But sorry. yeah, the fact is that when you are 2-0, and when your team is 2-0, and you take any victory as you can get it. When your team is 7-0... and whether you're consciously doing this or not, you're saying to yourself, my team is 7-0, and they should destroy everybody, and it should be easy. And it's not always going to be easy. And as you said, uh, the conditions weren't great for the Eagles. It's a, it's a short rest. Thursday night football games are notoriously sloppy. They shouldn't play on Thursday nights as far as I'm concerned. I think it's ridiculous that the league does this. Um, and it's a road game, it's, which leads me to my other kind of component here, which is that now that they're 7-0, and 8-0, the Eagles are going to be everybody's Super Bowl. And so they're going to get the best effort from their opponents every single week from here until the end of the season. So however victory looks, you take it at this point. And are there certain reasons to be concerned that we can get into? Yeah, I think there are. 
But the fact is, it was still a 12-point victory on the road. You're tied at halftime, and the Eagles took control of the game from there. And all the trends, generally, that have made them really good this season continued. Jalen Hurts continued to play really, really well. Miles Sanders looks terrific. With the exception of a couple of plays here and there, the offensive line was fine. Dallas Goddard and A.J. Brown were terrific. So you, you take the win, you say thanks, and you rest for 10 days until you you know have to face the commanders, I guess. Yep, and by the way, we will be talking to Derek Gunn at noon a little bit about the Eagles. 11 o'clock, we're going to talk to Eric Kratz, former uh, catcher for the Phillies and many other major league teams, guy who's got playoff and World Series experience. Uh, and I did some broadcasting this year for the Phillies. We'll talk to him at 11. Uh, continue on your point. I agree with everything you said in terms of what you liked. Jalen Hurts throwing the football to me is very impressive. I, I know he had the two fumbles, which is kind of uncharacteristic. But also, I like the fact that his rushing attempts are down. Not that mm-hmm. I dismiss the weapon because I like it, but when you don't have to use it, don't use it. Uh, first five games of the year, he averaged almost 14 rushes a game the last three under seven rushes a game. So he's really cut that in half. And I, and in those last three games, he's averaging more than 10 yards per pass attempt, eight touchdowns, no interceptions. That's pretty damn good. Uh, you mentioned Goddard. I also, Chauncey uh, Gardner-Johnson also just looks like such a great pickup. Uh, the one negative, of course, is the run defense. They really, Damian Pierce just gashed them. And I worry, the run defense has not been particularly good this year. Without Jordan Davis, you worry that it may uh, fall a little bit more. That's a concern. But overall, as we said, really good. I love the disbelievers. Um, Clarence Hill Jr., the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, a guy who um, I use every year uh, in the pregame show when we're trying Mm -hmm. to get somebody from out of town. And by the way, a very unbiased, good reporter, not a guy who was a shill for the Dallas Cowboys. They, they, Jerry Jones hates this guy, so you know, put that in his favor. <laughs> anyway, he, he tweeted the other day, and needless to say, got backlash from Eagles fans over this. Yes, the Eagles are still undefeated, but they are no juggernaut. They are living on borrowed time. They are not the best team in the NFL despite their record. The NFC is wide open. That's a fact. Argue with your mama. <laughs> so, so, that got Eagle fans going. Yeah, it's it's interesting, Glenn. I saw on social media the other day kind of about a five-minute video from a guy from Pro Football Focus named Seth Galina, um, and it was actually pretty insightful, kind of breaking down the challenges that opponents have in counteracting what the Eagles do on offense. And basically what it comes down to is you can't play one kind of defense with just um, one safety, a single high safety, and you, because you can, that forces you to cover... A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith one-on-one, and nobody in the league can do that. And you can't play a cover two, which would take away Brown and Smith, but then allow Jalen Hurts to either run the ball or throw it to Dallas Goddard or give it to Miles Sanders. Uh, So it was kind of a damned-if-you-do, damned-if-you-don't kind of situation. And I think your point about Hurts running the ball less these last few weeks is really a good one. Because it speaks to the idea that teams are trying to take that away. It's such an important component of the Eagles' offense, his ability to run uh, and his proficiency at it, uh, that, okay, if, if we're going to pick our poison, it's going to be Jalen Hurts, try to beat us with your arm. And guess what? He's been doing that. And that's nothing but a good thing if you're an Eagles fan. Absolutely. Joe in the Northeast joins us. Hello, Joe. Hey, hey, no, Glenn. All right. Um, you have mentioned small ball a moment ago, and I'm just curious. I want to take you back to the eighth inning when we had Scott on third. We got Segura on first with one out. Uh, any reason in the universe why they wouldn't steal there, knowing that if they throw the ball, Scott can come home? More importantly, 
even if Segura is thrown out, you know, that, now the first baseman's not in position to make that play against Schwarber. And it's just, I mean, I was watching the game with, I was going bonkers. You know, Philly fans are very knowledgeable, and people are sitting there like, well, you know, they, they couldn't get a hit. I'm like, besides the point, that was, I think, the last good chance they really had. And then, you know, after that, all the luck starts falling in line for the Astros. So I was just wondering if you could elaborate on why they wouldn't steal that for me. Well, it's, it's. I'm glad I hadn't really thought of the steal as much as I had thought of the of the squeeze. But I just want to look up because they have they've run successfully in this series. They've stolen bases. They are well, they're three and zero stealing bases. Um, I would have been good with that, Mike. A reason yeah, that, I, that couldn't happen. No, and um, I, I do wonder if some of that uh, the wonder about stealing is because Schwarber happened to hit the ball right to the first baseman, right? I mean, but the point is well taken that if if you send Segura in that situation, you know, again, maybe you can do a, a double steal and Stott can break for the plate. Um, but if he makes it, then, you know, what do you do then? Do they walk Marsh um, necessarily? Or Fine do you steal, me. you know, or... Bring up Schwarber? The, that works okay, for but or... Or if you don't, and here's the thing, here's how you have to be forward thinking. Okay, let's play this forward. Let's say Marsh strikes out, and it's still first and third now with two outs. Mm -hmm. You steal, you have Segura steal, and he makes it. It's second and third with two outs. You can be darn sure they're walking Kyle Schwarber to pitch well, to Reese Hoskins. Yeah, so but I do it before that, right? I do okay. it with Marsh yeah, up. But that's I don't, my do, point I don't they, do it with yeah. Schwarber up, I do it with Marsh up. Oh, right, you're saying if point. he steals and then Marsh strikes out. Yeah. I guess, but I think the... I still see the plus side of that more than the downside of that, of them walking Schwarber, and I don't know, then I got Hoskins up. I hear your point. I, I'm i taking it a step at a time, and I'm thinking that works. They mm -hmm. they, they haven't thrown yeah. out anybody yet. Not that yeah. they're really no, still a, a good, ton. It, but. It, it's a good point, and it, it, you know, I'd be curious if um, Rob Thompson and his staff look back at that moment and say, ah, oh, maybe we should have sent Segura there. And um, But again, you know, it, it, you know, who knows? Who Can knows? I tell you why um, this is why baseball's great, though? Yeah. Yeah, it because, is. Because baseball is the sport more than any other where you have these debates and discussions, where you go back over a game. You know, listen, they're playing for their lives today, and I do want to focus more on that as we do the show, but I'm, we'll take the calls. That's fine. But it is the sport where you can go back and dissect every play, every situation, do the what if they had tried this, what if they had tried that. More than any sport, and it's it's one of the things people ask me. What's your favorite sport? And I always give them the same answer. Hockey's my favorite sport to watch live. Football is my favorite sport to watch on TV. Baseball is my favorite sport to follow, and this is why I love following baseball. Yeah, and, and to the point we, you and I have talked about before too, Glenn. This is a big reason why I have been so down on baseball in the last ten years. Is that because the sport went to this emphasis? on home runs and strikeouts, mm. there were fewer of these moments to talk about. Yeah, right? fair point. Yeah. You know, if players aren't putting the ball in play as often, if teams aren't trying double steals, you have less strategic what-ifs to play around with. Now, I hope next season when they do away with the shift um, that maybe it leads to more of this uh, because teams will be incentivized more uh, to put the ball in play, and more of the balls the teams put in play will will fall for hits and doubles and triples and all those sorts of things. But yeah, it's a, it's a big reason why I was so down on the sport. Yeah, I that, hear you. I can't argue. You know, that. If every, if every, in, go ahead. I'm sorry. We'll sneak in Jeff and Camden here. Hey, Jeff. Yep. Jeffrey. 
I do not believe Jeff is ready. All right, let's get Matt up. Hello, Matt. Hey, good morning, guys. How's it going? All right. Hey, Matt. Hey, uh, you know, this team, I was telling Kyle, I mean, this team, uh, they just, but everyone doubts them. They seem to come back and prove us wrong. And that's why I am just, I am, it's not a false hope. I'm totally not giving up on this team yet. And I'm looking forward to this evening. And the biggest thing is, to me, is Wheeler. Like, we got it. The season comes down to this. And we need our ace to go out there and give everything he got. Zach Wheeler needs to have the performance of his lifetime. And, I mean, what better story than Ranger coming in in Game 7 and winning it for us? Yeah. <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt loves the drama. He loves, he I wants, will. um you know, he wants Randy Newman playing the orchestral score in the background and, um, you know, Roy Hobbs stepping up and hitting the home run and uh, and all of that. And look, I think he, I think he's right. I think if they're going to win tonight, they need absolutely Zach Wheeler to pitch the game of his life. They just do. What is the Herb Brooks quote? Great moments are made of great opportunities. Isn't that, isn't that the line? And that's what you <laughs> that's have here tonight, boys. That's, that's the one. what you have here it's tonight. Be, oh. Go ahead. Matt. I was just going to say, like, I'm just really looking forward to tonight just to see how they come back from that game because I think these guys are determined. And I think it's going to be a great weekend. Go, Phillies. How old's that little guy, by the way? Oh, the one's two and the other's four. Oh, all right. So probably not staying up for the game. (laughs) No, I mean, the four-year-old, he sits beside me. But, you know, I mean, he can only go till about 10 o'clock. Yeah, well, that's (laughs) – that ain't that's bad. That's that's about the time I go to I go to bed most nights. <laughs> well, there you go. 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack. Now game six tonight. Oh, the drama doesn't get better. Hey, fall is upon us. It is that time of year again to consider replacing your old drafty windows and doors before another cold winter season rolls in. When I need a company to help me with the home project, I turn to the experts, the great people at Guide Door and Window. Act now and receive 20% off all windows and doors. Plus, Guide will allow you to start your project today with no money out of pocket and take up to three years to pay it off interest-free once the job is expertly installed. So, you'll be able to start enjoying all the benefits of new, highly energy-efficient windows and doors, including an increased comfort level of your home and lower monthly energy bills, all while taking advantage of 20% savings and having the luxury of paying off your project with 0% interest for up to 36 months. But you got to act now. Offers for a limited time only. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guida today to schedule a free, no-obligation in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack. Now Mike is down in Houston for Game 6 tonight. Phillies against the Houston Astros. Mike will be doing a spectacular column for tomorrow's Inquirer, win or lose. Uh, uh, please, please, please lower everybody's expectations. I'm going to be writing on deadline. It's not going to be spectacular. <laughs> you know this. You're an old newspaper uh, man. Come on. Uh, yeah, there's 8 o'clock games in baseball that last three and a half hours. Although the deadline, it, do they, how do they do it with deadline now? Because you can just rewrite it for the webpage, right? Just yeah, but I have to file long. at the... I have to file at the last out. Um, okay. So I've got to file the early, and then I can come back and update it. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll read the update. I just, uh, I'm it a big, is time. I'm a big, big believer in lowering expectations. That's all. <laughs> That's fine. 
It is time for this week in Philadelphia Sports History, brought to you by Shy Vintage Sports, your home for the best Phillies playoff gear. Visit them in Center City, Wayne, or at ShyVSports.com. Shy Vintage Sports, there's a story in every stitch. Mike, I want to pick up people's expectations as opposed to reading your column, their, their, their optimism. <laughs> so I'm going to take you back to November 2nd, 2009. Actually, I don't know why I chose this because they ultimately don't win the World Series. But nonetheless... This is a great moment from the 2009 World Series in a great, great postseason performance by Chase Utley. Game five, and here you go. Another 3-2 to Utley. And a shot into right. How about this series for Utley? Another home run. Second of the night. He ties Reggie Jackson. For most in one World Series, and he makes it 7-2. to two. There you go. He did. He had an amazing uh, postseason, amazing, well, amazing World Series, actually. It wasn't that great before that, but an amazing World Series that we will remember for the ages. And, Mike, tonight and tomorrow, somebody on your Philadelphia Phillies has the opportunity to become that guy. That 20 years from now, we say, oh, man, you remember the Game 6, Game 7, the... Alec Bohm had, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's 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 it's, there. it's it's there, and it's one of the things that makes sports so cool. You know, I was thinking about this, Glenn. Um, the game six, I remember. Obviously, a lot of Phillies fans remember this game. Was game six in nineteen ninety three, and I remember being at a Flyers game that night. I was a freshman in college, and we had had tickets forever, and so I went with a few friends, and we're at the game, and on the video board above the ice the Flyers are giving updates on game six and it gets to be one, nothing blue Jays two nothing four to one, five to one. And the Flyers are getting their doors blown off and everybody's depressed. I've probably told this story before. And then, uh, all the fans in the spectrum, or at least most of them have these small televisions with them, right? Nobody has cell phones at that time. They have these tiny little TVs. And when Lenny Dykstra hits the three run home run, uh, to bring the Phillies back into the game and start the comeback, uh, that eventually leads to them taking the lead. Uh, they show the the home run on the video board, and my friends and I just dashed for our cars. We're like, we got to get back to our dorm room and watch the end of this game. The hell with the Flyers. And, of course, we all know how that game ended, yeah. but it's it's those sorts of moments that are really memorable and really stay with you. And we are hoping, looking forward, maybe we hope that we will get more of those tonight and tomorrow. Harry and Maple Shade wants to talk about, uh, well, we hope tomorrow's starter. Hello, Harry. Hey, how you doing, Glenn? By the way, congratulations! I got it. You got your uh, performance in Clue. Uh, the director, I work with him. Uh, we we teach together, and he sung your praises up and down, back and forth about how great of an actor you are. Uh, well, his name is Mike Sokolowski, and he's yeah, done Mike a great job directing of of making me look better than I am. And that that uh, that whole thing has been just a delight for me. Uh, last night we had a sellout crowd, I think, because there was no World Series game. Yeah. Uh, my Unfortunately, Harry and Mike, the final performance of Clue, oh, I shouldn't say unfortunately, it's tonight at 8 o'clock. So, hey, oh, if man. you've got nothing to do tonight at 8, come on out and see me. I promise uh, you, you will be back home for the sixth inning well, when all the good stuff's going to happen. Yeah. And by the way, um, last week when, when Mike gave you the cheesecake, yeah, the peanut butter cheesecake, yeah, I'm the guy who made it for you. Oh, wow. Because I heard. Yeah, yeah thanks. It was great. Thanks. What a nice guy you are. Uh, that, you know, I, I know you have a sweet tooth, 
So, I, yeah, I know you like your sweets and all that I stuff. I do, trying to control it, but yes, indeed, yeah. I do. So, H- anyway, Harry, thank, thank you. Harry, if I can just interject, you are a nice sure. guy, and you are much nicer than Glenn, who didn't share any of that cheesecake with me. Well, I haven't seen you. He gave it to me at the play. Well, you should have mailed me some or <laughs> yeah. something. Come on. Oh, well. You know what? I got some in my card. It's been sitting there for a week. I'll bring <laughs> it for you. Harry, well, you- what, uh, let's talk Ranger Suarez here. Okay. Um... I think he. I think he's he's the wild card. I think it, I see him going game six and game seven, coming out of the bullpen, because the guy has ice water in his veins. Okay, yeah. and he he's not the he's not the best pitcher on the Philly staff, but I first off he feels his position excellent. Second, he the moment the moment's not too big for him. It's you know he comes in it's a it's a baseball game let's play he's done this throughout the whole entire playoffs he did it he, he did it independent mm-hmm. and he's and he's appeared twice in the World Series and, and he's yet to give up a run. So it's you bring up an uh, excellent an excellent what if and let us say that we get five or six out of Wheeler tonight and then um, the manager's been going early to Alvarez and he wants to save Sir Anthony maybe not use Eflin could Mike could it happen that Ranger Suarez pitches in relief tonight and starts tomorrow? I think if you do that, uh, he's not going to get very far. In Game 7, you can't go in thinking that you're going to get another five innings out of him. Um, mm-hmm. you know. But I think Harry is right to call him a wild card in that he's kind of the, the Swiss Army knife weapon that Rob Thompson is going to use uh, if he absolutely needs to. You know, If the series is on the line tonight, it would not surprise me to see him go to Ranger. And... Then you deal with Game 7 as you deal with Game 7. But I think Harry makes a good point in in the idea that you can't just say, well, we need Ranger to start Game 7, therefore he cannot pitch tonight. Uh, that That's not going to work. Right, um, because there's no, know, there's no tomorrow if you don't win. Tonight. Right, right, exactly. Now, could he pitch on back-to-back nights? I think he probably could, uh, depending on how much you need you might need out of him in Game 6. And, yeah. I think he could, and it, I could do it. And the other thing here, the one thing that impresses me about him, again, the, the guy, the, no panic, no nothing, no nothing. Guys yeah. get on base, and he turns around, he buckles down, boom, out. I agree. Pulls it back to him. Oh, know, great! He, Listen, it, 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 it's it's been covered a lot. He is a terrific defensive pitcher who didn't qualify by nature of innings for the gold glove, but certainly would have won it. So far this postseason, he has pitched in five games, three starts, two relief appearances. He got the save, of course, uh, against uh, San Diego to win to win it. Fourteen point two innings, ERA of one twenty three. Yeah, yeah, pretty damn good, man. I'll take it. I'll take some Ranger tonight. Two innings of Ranger tonight, three innings of Ranger tomorrow. Boom. When's the parade? Yeah, and he can spend the entire winter just, you know, keeping his arm in a tub of ice. That's exactly right. You have, I mean, as we said with with, um, Wheeler, after tomorrow, you have whatever, 120 days to get your arm back in shape. There's there's no reason to wait for any of this. Let's uh, talk to Sean in Levittown. Hey, Sean. Hey, uh, Glenn and Mike. How are you today? Great. Hi, Sean. Hey, guys, listen, Nick Castellanos should not be batting fifth. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, I want him to be that guy that you were talking about coming up and getting the big hit, but he's not going to. 
And for the life of me, I don't understand why Segura isn't batting second. You have him second, and you can. I would I would move Hoskins back to fifth. But Bryce has no protection behind him, and you need someone that's going to get that big hit. And he's not the guy. And I understand that Rob wants to stick with his team, and he doesn't want to um, show them that he's not going to. Yeah, it's Game Six of the World him. Series. I, I don't know that this is the time to be doing that. No, he, he, this this should have been done. In the Cardinal series, I don't. I, I just don't understand why you're sticking with a guy in the five spot that he he's proved he comes up and he he's it's like a rusty gate. He's a, he's, yeah, he's had a really disappointing season. But I got to tell you again, I, this is not a time when I'm I'm making changes like that. I just think it's yeah, it's a, it's bad mojo to do that now. Yeah, and the one thing I would say too, Sean, is once the postseason begins, I think the risk of kind of shocking the player's system and showing that you are maybe panicking a little bit um, by changing the lineup, uh, the effect of that is, can be pretty deep and profound, too. And if you say, well, he should have done it in the St. Louis series, well, maybe if he had done it in the St. Louis series, they don't win those two games. Um, you know, not that they tore the cover off the ball against the Cardinals, but, you know, you can't just say in a vacuum, if he had changed the lineup in the St. Louis series, maybe things would be better now in the World Series. If he had changed the lineup in in the St. Louis series, maybe they don't make the World Series. Um, so you don't know. I, I, I'm with Glenn. I would be, I'm not suggesting that Nick Castellanos has been great in the postseason, though he has gotten some hits here and there. Um, I, I just don't think you mess with that. I think working with your pitching staff in a postseason situation uh, the way that Thompson has, you know, if a guy's in trouble, get him out of there, get somebody else in there, manage for today. That is much more customary and, and less kind of a sign of panic than changing the lineup all around would be. He's Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Mack. Now coming up, we're going to check in with Eric Kratz, 11-year catcher in the major league. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Two pitch. Breaking ball. Strike three. Caught. Got him looking. And Cronenworth, the eighth strikeout victim of the night for Zach Wheeler, who goes seven scoreless innings here in game one of the NLCS. Zach Wheeler has been simply brilliant. There you go. Scott Fransky. That's what we need tonight. That's all we need tonight. By the way, one of the partners Scott Fransky worked with during this year was one of my favorite Phillies over the years, Turkey Bacon himself, Eric Kratz, who's nice enough to join us. How are you doing? I am doing great. I never heard that I was one of your favorites, though. I, feel I like interviewed you, so you're not going to remember this, but when we, years ago on WIP, we went down to spring training, and we were yep. doing a game, and you hit a home run in this game. Yep. You were, like, trying to make the team, 
And then you came, like, still during the game after they took you out, and we interviewed you, and you were a riot. And I thought, what a nice guy this guy is. So it's the only time we've ever spoken, but I remember it. I'm surprised you don't. Um, all right, Mike Skielski, Glenn Mack. Now, Eric, you you got around in the major leagues, made the most of it. I'm kind of looking here. It appears that in 11 seasons you played for eight different clubs. Yeah, eight different clubs. Um and made the playoffs a few times and suggests to me that you have been in the position that the Phillies are in tonight of an elimination game. I just kind of wanted to get from you, particularly a guy who's a catcher, because I always think catchers are smarter, kind of the, you know, what goes through your mind, the psychology of facing elimination. Oh, man, the psychology of facing elimination is something, uh, it's, when you're in that moment, if you have any doubt, you're never going to win. I've been in moments where, like, I've lost in Game 7, ALCS to the Astros, Game 7 of the World Series to the Giants, Game 7 to the Dodgers in the NLCS. Um, so I've seen it. And a lot of clubhouse. Wow. Yeah, a lot, a lot of games. Well, game, game 5, I was sitting on the bench for the uh, – the game where Holiday versus Carpenter, mm-hmm. um, and so you think—I mean, you, you think. So as a fan, you sit there, and when you're not playing, that's what you are. You're just a fan with awesome seats, and you're sitting there, and you're like, "Okay, what what, what do we have to do to win?" Okay, the first guy got out. Oh man, this is bad. This isn't bad. But when you're playing in those games, you're—it's like an extra level of ultra focus and when things start going your way i hear all the time i hear howard eskin say oh there's no momentum in baseball there's no man you know there's a hundred percent momentum because when you get a big hit it is just something that just continues to roll now if you don't get any hits if if wheeler comes out and he's got you know three scoreless and astros really don't have anything going then you're just kind of waiting on edge. You're waiting on edge, and guys kind of get into like an extra inning mentality of, okay, well, i got to be the one that does it. Mm-hmm. So for them, it's just a matter of being okay with seeing the positive and everything, and that can be tough in baseball. Eric, we've had a couple callers ask about um, potentially the Phillies changing their lineup a little bit tonight to account for the fact that guys like Reese Hoskins or Nick Castellanos haven't been hitting lately. In your experience, what would be the effect to the team if, hypothetically, Rob Thompson were to change his lineup before tonight's game? I, I think guys would they'd figure it out. Like you would, you'd be like, okay, well, I just got to do my part anyway. I don't think anybody's feelings would be hurt. I think it would be a ton of second guessing afterwards if it doesn't go well. But I think it would be more detrimental than it would be helpful. Like, I'm going to quote Charlie Manuel because you have guys in your lineup that are really good. If you don't think Reese Hoskins is good enough, don't put him in there. But Charlie Manuel would always say, "Well, you know, if he's if he's not if he's not swinging well, that, that means I better move him up in the lineup because he's about to get hot." <laughs> and that's and, and that that is the mentality that Topper has. When I would talk to him during the season, he trusts these guys so much that you know what. At some point, you might trust them to a fault. And a lineup that knows, if you know 
okay, this guy, he pitched to this guy this way. I see a trend. Now all of a sudden, you're at bat. feels like you've had this at bat before. And I get it. I get it. Hoskins has, you know, Hoskins and Real Muto both have the same same amount of strikeouts, you know, and they're both leading the postseason ever in strikeouts. And I get that. But what have we seen this series? It's all about one pitch. It's all about one at bat. And you never know if that's going to be the one that wins the game for you, which pushes you to game seven, which ultimately wins the World Series for you. Uh, Eric Kratz is our guest. You can follow him on Twitter at Eric with a K, Kratz, K-R-A-T-Z, 11. So, um, not, not 11, 19. Oh, wait, actually I got it. Now I got Eric Kratz 31. Hold on. I'm going to find your Twitter account. Oh, 31. Yes, there it is. Eric Kratz 31. We're both wrong. There you go. E-R-I-K-K-R-A-T-Z 31. All right. We do if, really- yeah. if you guys aren't, if you guys aren't careful, Elon's going to kick you both off of Twitter. Jeez. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. So as a longtime major league catcher who spent your career, uh, handling major league pitchers, you got Zach Wheeler coming in tonight, who was so good early in the playoffs, uh, and has you know said by all accounts he's gassed. He, he's done that much left. What do you, if you're the manager, if you're the catcher, what do you try to squeeze out of him tonight on what figures to be? After tonight, he's got a hundred days to rest. You get everything you can. You make sure you find out how he feels, and you hopefully you can get an honest answer. And the game's going to really rely on JT. Uh, you know, Zach's not going to have – he's not going to have 99. Okay. So how do we attack? Do we attack him more like if – I'm trying to think of somebody that doesn't throw 99. You know, you, you kind of look at it that way. He still has a sinker. He still has, he still has the will to want to do it. And if his stuff isn't there, and that's got to be an in-game evaluation, then you have to you have to maybe attack him a little bit differently. I would never say to anybody, "Hey, nibble a little bit." But you saw what happened the last game in Houston when he just attacked. You know, his stuff wasn't quite as sharp. He didn't have that last little bite on his fastball or his breaking ball, and they hit it early in the count. So his mentality is, "I'm attacking the zone." I'm going to attack the zone, and I'm going to get out that way. He has enough control that he might need to be able to nibble. I'm not saying that's the game plan. I'm saying in the moment, you know if a guy doesn't have his stuff. And JT needs to be able to communicate that to Zach, but he also needs to be able to communicate that to Topper so Topper can make a in-game, non-analytical decision of, hey, you know what, my guy doesn't got it. Or, you know what? This guy's the chief, and I'm going to keep him in there just like, you know, the Rays didn't do when Blake Snell was in the game. Mm. Eric, the Phillies were kind of poised to take control of the series, it seemed, after Game 3. You know, you win 7 nothing, you hit five home runs, uh, and then the Astros come back and win those two games at Citizens Bank Park. What is it? Apart from the cheating <laughs> about the Astros, um, that you know you're talking to a former Astro, by the way. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> but what is it th- about them that kind of gives them this? I mean, obviously they're really good, but is there something else going on here that keeps them kind of cool in these situations, so to speak? Experience is the first thing everyone's going to say. Yes, they're very good, but I think their process is something that 
it's just like leaving Reese in the two hole. It's the process of, hey, these guys can do it. Leave them where they are and continue that process. And the process is they don't strike out a lot and they walk more than everybody else. So it's, you know, it's one of those, they're, they're in the top five in both categories. And so in games when you need a dinger, yeah, they can supply that, but they're just going to be there and constantly be a gnat and constantly be able to work at bats. And I'm not saying a strikeout is awful because I do believe that the home run versus the strikeout is way more valuable, all that stuff. But this is the World Series. This is why the Dodgers have been here so often or have been to the point so often and they haven't won it. In these games, you got to be able to have some grit. And that's why I think the Phillies have gotten to where they are because they have that grit. They have that, in a sense, not to be corny, but they have that Philly mentality. And they've embraced that, and that's what's got them to this point. No matter what it is, that's how you can get to this point. And then when you hit some dingers, it works out. And the Astros just encompass all of that. And the thing that's crazy to me is the fact that the Astros, cheating or not cheating, their their minor league system just keeps churning out people. Yes. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll get rid of Correa, turn someone else out. Like, really, like the cheaters that are on the team anymore are Yuli and Bregman. Because I would bet the house Altuve didn't cheat because of playing with him several different times in my career. And so it's just those three guys. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest, you know, so I think it's really, it's changed so much, and yet they're still in this position. All right. And you mentioned the farm system. And that's what I want to ask you about, and specifically with pitching. Um, and I don't know when you were there if this was going on, but I read a, read a piece by Tyler Kepner in the New York Times the other day about how they just – they get these kids out of the Dominican. They're not regarded as top 100 prospects, but they just find a way. They, they either see something or find a way to develop it in the minor leagues so that guys like Javier and Framber Valdez, who's going to pitch tonight, just become these hellacious, unhittable pitchers. Did, did, I guess uh, the first part of it is, did you see that while you were there? Or short of that, what do you see in how they develop that pitching staff? I didn't see it while I, was, while I was there. While I was there, it was the young position players that came up and really mm-hmm. okay. made that impact, and you've seen those guys through, through the years. But it's really the, I assume, based on the people that I know that are in the organization, they don't have a secret sauce. They're not like, okay, hey, nobody tell anybody, but you know, we put our you – know, we put our baseballs in water and then we have the Dominican kids throw heavy baseball. You know, it's nothing. there's right. no secret sauce. Yeah. But what it is, is they have a group of people in the organization that truly delves into these kids, whether it's Dominican kids, whether it's American kids, and they put them in the situation to succeed. And I know you're like, oh, well, that sounds easy. Why doesn't everybody do it? Well, how many people have you worked with that are turds and they don't, you know, they don't talk nicely about their other coworkers? They I don't, don't believe you know, that's a question I should answer on the air, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Everybody's are you talking about me, Mac? Now, are uh, you talking about me? You're, you're too new to feel that way. But. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you're good. You're you're exactly right. Like it's like if you sit there and you say, "Okay, we have three parts of the organization. We have 
the baseball side, the analytics side, and the business side. And that's, that's how we, you know, that's how we're going to work things. And, you know, the baseball side never understands our analytics side and the analytic never side understands the baseball side. No, they're working in the same direction. They're all pushing for the same thing and it's the success of the organization and they find it just like any other fortune 500 company does. They find it by the employees, the players, they help them become the best that they can. Because with every Brian Abreu that comes out, there's a Jose Cruz that doesn't. There's a, you know, yeah. th- there's so many that don't make it. But how do you treat those guys and put everybody in the same position to hopefully have success? I hear you. Eric Kratz, it's, uh, it's a pleasure talking to you. Uh, again, really enjoyed your uh, work this year with Scott Fransky. Look here, forward to hearing you again. Uh, hey, we'll call you, we'll call you uh, after the World Series parade. Deal. I'll put it in the book. In All pencil. Right. In pencil, <laughs> not in pen, just like Dusty Baker. Got it. Eric, thank you uh, so much. No doubt. Thank you, guys. All right, man. Be Thanks, well. Eric. Very sharp guy. Very sharp guy. The pride of Telford, PA. Oh, there you go. Turkey yeah, bacon. Chris- yeah, Christopher Doc. Mennonite. You know where everybody went to high school, don't you? Well, Google's an amazing thing, Glenn. <laughs> uh, let us get to our pal uh, Kenny from the Dirty 30. But I saw him recently. Hey, Ken. Glenn, uh, I want to talk about sports, but I can, I'd be remiss if I did not mention to Philadelphia what an absolute fabulous play Clue was. How incredibly funny and entertaining. You had the best lines, Glenn. I did. And Script you, works. You are absolutely the best actor possible to be able to concentrate with that Miss Scarlet actress. Oh uh, my God! Yes, uh, truth. <laughs> yes, and and by the way, Kenny won tickets on WIP. Came out last night, which I really appreciate. I'm glad you had a good time. And yes, I do play across a, a woman, an actress who is um, stunningly gorgeous. That is correct. Easy on the eyes. Yes, that's my wife. She was with us there. Um, yes. But uh, yeah, I just want to compliment you. Thank you so much. Now, Well, thank you for coming. We had a great time. And, uh, again, final show tonight at 8 o'clock, Players Club of Swarthmore. Who's got anything better to do tonight? Yes. Anyway, thank you. <laughs> did you – oh, one um, last thing, and then we'll get to sports. Because uh, I didn't mention it to you. Did you uh, notice – I'm sure you noticed – did you enjoy the surprise voice at the beginning of the radio announcer? Well – yeah, it was Ange- Angelo and Conklin made uh, made cameos uh, voice wise, and yes. uh, they did a fabulous job. Uh, Angelo proved once again that he does his best work when no one can see him. <laughs> Make sure you tell him that. <laughs> All right, um, you want to talk Eagles? Which hey, I'm happy to do. We are happy to do. I, you know, the thing about football, I, I love football more than any other sport. I absolutely love the Phillies. This has been a great run. But here's the thing. When football has their playoffs, as intense as they are, it's one day a week that we can all recover. Baseball, hockey, basketball, this seven-game series, and they go to midnight in the East Coast or 1 o'clock, and they go for weeks. I'm exhausted. I'm enjoying it. But, man, I am tired. And, and it takes the Phillies to be in the World Series to take the attention away from the only undefeated team in the Ooh. NFL. Ooh, I and have good news. I have good news for you, though. Yeah. Tomorrow, after turn off your GPS. Tomorrow, after the Phillies win Game Seven, you get an extra hour of sleep. <laughs> That's right. 
No, wait, wait, no. Isn't it tonight that it switches over? Yeah, I think we get the extra hour tonight. Oh, tonight, after they win game six, you get an extra (laughs) hour of sleep. There you go. All right. I'm pretty fried myself. um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is such such a fun but exhausting time right now. I'm just enjoying every minute of it. And the the young kids, uh, you know, my my kids are uh, young teenagers right now, that this is the first time they're going through, and it's just so much fun to see the excitement in their eyes. They never had this uh, opportunity before, and uh, I just want everybody in Philadelphia to savor this. Get many of these, and let's just enjoy this autumn on a seventy-degree day in, in early November. And um, life is good right now. And Glenn, you're a fabulous actor. Uh, it's very kind. It was very nice to see you yesterday night. I really appreciate it, Mike. I think you and I talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. Your sons are ten and eight, eleven and eight, eleven and eight. Yeah, eleven, and eleven eight. and eight. So this, for them, is the first time they've gotten to experience this. Yeah, it is. And uh, as I said, the 11-year-old in particular is really into it. Um, he's been following religiously. Uh, he had gotten back into baseball at the start of the playoffs, even apart from the Phillies. He just liked watching the games. There were so many games at the start of the playoffs that it was basically every day was a triple header. And he was coming home from school and flipping on whatever game happened to be on TV at the time at 4 o'clock in the afternoon and really got back into it. The eight-year-old, not so much, but was, um, the eight-year-old actually said the other day uh, during game five, uh, my wife was putting the two of them to bed, and he said, uh, I'm rooting for the Astros now um, because if they win, that means dad comes home sooner. Oh, so, no. <laughs> that's, oh, God, that'll um, Which is why I love him so much. You know, oh, that's, that's, you know, it, it, on the one hand, it was like, it just it warmed my heart, and on the other hand, it was like, well, I, boy, boy, don't tell your classmates that. <laughs> yeah, oh, my. Well, I mean, it's certainly it's, it's endearing, but, like, oh, it breaks your heart at the same time. Well, yeah, uh, it does. No disrespect to your son. I hope he gets you back after the parade Wednesday. How's that? I, I understand where you're coming from, sir. All right. 215-592-9494. Uh, a lot of Phillies today, obviously. With Game 6 of the World Series, always happy to talk about the Eagles. Coming up, a quick what we're watching. I'm going to give you a great show. All right. What we're watching is sponsored by Guided Door and Window. Receive 20% off all windows and doors with no money down and up to three years to pay it off interest-free. Call Guided Door and Window today, one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at go-g-u-i-d-a.com. All right, Mike. So... I, the show I'm about to talk about, I reviewed several years back. It's a Netflix show produced and starring a guy named Phil Rosenthal. Uh, a he giant. Was the, pardon me? A giant in, in, in comedy and entertainment. Indeed. He was the executive producer of the show Everybody Loves Raymond. He's actually in, loosely the character Ray Romano was based on. Um, he's a guy, he's a very funny guy. He's not a food critic. It's a show about food, but he's not a food critic, really. But he goes to these amazing places all over the world to explore local food and culture. And so a new season just dropped October 22nd. And during this season, he's going to uh, Croatia and Chile and Maine and Philadelphia. <laughs> that's, a, that's a motley crew of locations there. Yeah, it gets around. So he's here, and um, the the show, as I said, the, the season just dropped, and so he's at Laser Wolf with Michael Solomonov and his and his pal comedian Patton Oswalt, and he's he's with Mark Vetri at uh, Fiorella Pasta with their mutual friend Liz Scott, who's the director of Alex's Lemonade, and so he goes to those places, but 
But he also goes to the places that make this city Philadelphia. Uh, not that those places aren't, because those places mm-hmm. are great. But he he doesn't go to the tourist traps, right? So he goes to D'Alessandro's for a cheesesteak. And he goes to John's Roast Pork. And mm-hmm. he goes to South Philly Barbacoa and Pizzeria Badia and Angelo's Pizza. And he gets ice cream at Franklin Fountain. And he spends a day at Reading Terminal. And, I mean, to be honest, these are a lot of my favorite places that I've gone to for my food hunts over the years. Um, I love these places and all of this in a one hour show. And he is, Phil is funny and it's an easy watch and you, you're going to watch this and you're going to want to get on your, out of your house and go eat at all of these local treasures. Um, so again, I don't want to spend too much time because we had so much mm-hmm. going on, but the name of the show is somebody feed Phil and this particular episode, which you can find on Netflix makes our city look great um and not in a touristy way really finds the places around town that you you will you should you probably already do love this is this is anthony bourdain if anthony bourdain was just a huge goofball (laughs) well it's really what it is i'll add two quick things glenn and and as you said we can we can i didn't know you 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 watch the show I haven't seen it yet. I'm familiar okay. with Phil Rosenthal, obviously. And and just as I said, two quick things. Number one, he married a girl from Delaware County. His wife yes. is Monica Haran, who is from Darby. And if you watched Everybody Loves Raymond, she played Robert's on and off girlfriend slash wife, Amy. Yes. Uh, terrific actress. Um, and as I said, a Delco girl. And, yes. secondly, and by the way, I, she, she appears on this episode. Oh, that's um, cool. Because he brings a local... And he go I forget which place he goes to, but he brings all her high school friends and her to out to dinner, and she's she's good. She's funny too. Yes. Yeah, she's a Prendy uh, alum, uh, Archbishop Prendy. Uh, as we and said, then, Mike Sealski yeah. knows where everybody went to high school. <laughs> and then the second thing, Glenn, I am so hungry now, having oh, listened my. to you list all those places. I, yes. And here I am in Houston. I'm, I, I don't know if I can get barbecue at you know ten thirty in the morning, but after you know, I may run out during a break and try um, yeah. because I'm really hungry now. Well, uh, watch this show when you come back. And uh, but make sure you either watch it on a full stomach or you're ready to get out on the train, on the subway and go to all of these local gems because it shows it shows off. I think Philadelphia is a great food town and I think Philadelphia is a great food town, not just because it has the high end places that you can go on an expense account or go for a special celebration. But it's a great food town because the sandwiches here are amazing. And Reading Terminal is an incredible place. And we are part of the pizza belt where you can get great pizza um, and and all of that. And that's what this episode shows. And so I loved it. So there you go. I will definitely check it out once the World Series has ended. Yes, indeed. Somebody Feed Phil is the name of the show. Watch the, the Philadelphia episode that just dropped. All right, let's go to Steph in Mount Airy. What's happening, Steph? Hey, fellas. Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd much rather talk about Prendy Girls and our experience with, <laughs> with Prendy Girls than Nick Castellanos. So, I, 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 I did. Maybe do you I have experience with Prendy Girls, Mike? I, I, I actually, I, yes, I, 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 do. I, I, I <laughs> dated an Archbishop Prendergrass girl when I was in college at LaSalle. Um, so, yes, and I have experience, and we'll leave it at that. Because <laughs> yeah. I am a man of... We'll of Class and grace and yeah. discerning, you, don't tell. you know, being discerning on the radio. Exactly. Certainly when it comes to the radio, I think it's a good policy. 
Not that I want to talk about Nick very much, though. But, man, my point, I guess, is that you can't lump him in uh, as a batter who is not hitting the ball right now. I mean, if you look at his season, I've never seen a guy give away more at-bats over the course of the year. And, um, I mean, really, his last game, we could be more encouraged. It was one of his more encouraging games, and he went 0 for 4, but he did turn in a couple good at-bats, and he lined out once. So that's where we're at as a guy who's batting right behind, you know, almost our entire offense right there. So I think – I think it was least, a lost season for him, um, and I don't and I don't know why. There is a history of free agents moving from one team to another, and then having the first year be a down year, and then coming back. I mean, we've certainly seen that. But I'm just looking. I just called up his page on on Baseball Reference, and I mean, 2021 to refresh people's minds. 100 RBIs, 34 home runs, OPS at 939, All-Star, 12th in MVP voting, Silver Slugger. This year, and he was healthy this year, 13 home runs, 694 OPS. Mike, his OPS dropped 245 points this year. Yeah. Go ahead, Steph. I was going to say he's arguably the worst hitter in the lineup batting behind Bryce Harper. I mean, it's just a fact you know, just poor at bats. I, I find that he has an enormously long swing. I don't know how he put up the numbers he did a couple of years ago. He's very long to the ball. He looks like, with that swing, it looks like he has to kind of ha- guess hit almost all the time. That's why he's number one in swing percentage, you know. No walks, no homers. It's just a black uh, Mike, hole. what do you think? Well, I, it was interesting, Glenn. I, I spoke with... I was amongst several media members who talked to Castellanos after Game 5 um, because he was the last out of the game. He had come up earlier in the game with a chance to do some damage and, and didn't. And he insisted um, that he was feeling better at the plate, that he felt in control. But I think there's a there's a good point that Steph makes there. He, he does seem like his swing is long, that um, even when he fouls pitches off, he seems a little defensive um, up there. And... You know, maybe you write this off as a loss. You just have to write it off as a lost season for him because, as you said, Glenn, go back and look at his full track record. I mean, starting in 2016, his his OPS pretty much is 800 or higher yep. every single year. Um, I mean, he was very consistent. It's not as if the Phillies went out and gave him five years and $100 million based on one or two years of great production after a lot of years of not so great production. He was very much a consistent, very good power hitter for a while with multiple teams. So there was no reason to think there would be this drop off, um, both in the regular season and now in the postseason. Yeah. Yeah. I, Steph, I agree. I, I, I hear you, man. Thanks. Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, maybe there's something at the end of the year we learned that he played all year with a, some kind of injury that they never disclosed. Maybe it's just yeah. the pressure of moving. You know, he played played for Cincinnati the last couple of years. It's not the pressure packed city it is here. But I, I always hate that argument. But I, I don't know. I all I know yeah. is they signed him to a huge contract for what four or five years and five years, yes, five years, hundred million dollars and. He better come back and do it next year because one year is an anomaly, two years is a trend. The big irony, of course, is it is he's among the worst defensive outfielders in the major leagues, and here he is. That's where he's earned his keep in the postseason. 
Yeah, but I don't think Dave Dombrowski gave him a hundred million dollars no, to be no, a, a, a good field no, no hit right fielder. No, I'm not saying um, that he did. Uh, you know, and and I will I will point this out too, Glenn, that um, Castellanos's wife has been on Twitter uh, pointing out that fans have been kind of mistreating her and her oh, family and that sort of good. thing, oh, that's which never is not good. good. Uh, never, never, right? Never ever good. No, um, so you don't, you don't want to see wife that. Who just buys beer for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, you have to, uh, there's a lot going on there. And as you said, I'm sure we will find out the full story once game six and or game seven have come and gone. Yeah. All right. Let's get to Rory in Haddon Township. Wants to talk about the manager. Hey, uh, Rory, how are you? Hi, how you doing guys? Hi, Rory. Um, First, I want to preface my remarks by saying that uh, you two are great together, and uh, you're a wonderful team, and I hope that somewhere down the line, maybe when uh, football and baseball season's over, we get Mike to uh, pair with you, Glenn, on Sunday, too. Uh, I don't think it's going to change. I enjoy working with Mike on Saturday, Jody on Sunday, and I think it's it's working great, but thank you for that compliment. Um, I want to talk, there's a saying, and I'm not sure who said it, I could have Googled it while I was waiting, but... The saying is, foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds. And Mike made a point about staying the course with this lineup, and I have to disagree. I think substituting for Castellanos and pinch hitting for Marsh isn't panicking. It's just substituting for a player that's just not performing. I definitely would have substituted for Marsh, or maybe with Garrett Stubbs, who's a great bunner, left-handed hitter. He's got a couple of drag-gun hits this year. Play for the run. And don't worry about hurting anybody's feelings, you know? Here's, here's the thing, Rory. Uh, Garrett Stubbs is the only player on the Phillies roster who hasn't played in the postseason. Um, and if you're going to send him up with first and third in the bottom of the eighth inning of Game 5 of the World Series in the make-or-break moment of not only Game 5, but maybe the entire series, um, I'm not sure that's necessarily the best route to take. Well, okay, let's take Stubbs out of the picture. Substitute somebody else that has played in, in the World Series and have them bunt or, or do something. For as good as they say Marsh is going to be, he can hit a fastball right now. And I think that's why the Angels traded him. By the way, he can be- bunt. If, if, you're, if you are wanting to bunt, that is one thing that Marsh can do. And I heard on Angelo's show the other day that when he was with the Angels this year, he successfully executed uh, a squeeze bunt. Um, okay. If that but, was your strategy, you could have you could have used him, but well, yeah, there's, I, there's listen, a, I hear your frustration. Yeah, and there's a lot of things that can go, can go wrong with a bunt too. Suppose he bunts it too hard and bunts into a double play. Um, you know, th- there is a little bit, and I get it. Look, it, you're in that situation. You have the number nine here in the lineup up. It, it is the kind of scenario that you know, allows for creative managing. Hey, do we start the runner? Do we hit and run? Do we squeeze? Do we do something? Those options are open to you. But there is a little bit of Monday morning quarterbacking going here because Marsh struck out on three pitches. It doesn't necessarily mean he was swinging from the heels. It doesn't necessarily mean that if Rob Thompson had tried to get creative, it necessarily would have worked out. Let's uh, say hi to Pete in Springfield. Hey, Pete. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Great. Hi, Pete. Hey, um, you know, I, I, I get a call. I respect you guys. I love this show and stuff. Uh, I wish my all the best, but I'm getting tired of people with um, selective memory, okay, when it comes to Nick Castellanos. Was he great during the season? No, he wasn't, okay? 
but the fact of the matter is, you, without a fact, you do not get past the Braves. This, you know, he, I think he's probably close to five, 500 against the Braves. It's six or seven RBIs. It's some clutch hits against the Padres. You know, the real culprit on this team is Reese Hoskins, okay? And I'm tired of the Reese, number one. It's interesting that you talk about selective memory, and I think you're forgetting some of Hoskins' contributions this okay. postseason. Home run, strikeout. Home run, strikeout. Okay, fine. At I'll take that. Just, <laughs> I'll take home run, strikeout. That's that's that sounds good. Uh, Karen, at least when Castellano strikes out, who's doing swinging? Well, we'll put the uh, bat on the ball, and he gets if he gets out, he puts the bat on the ball. Hoskins the other night walked away from the plate twice before the pitch was actually in the strike zone. He just walked away. I'm out. I, you got me out. Who, who do you think has been more valuable this postseason of those two? Castellanos. Oh, I disagree. Because of defense, too. I thoroughly disagree with you. But that's okay. Yeah, I'll say this, Glenn. I think it's. I think Pete makes a decent point in that it's closer than you think because of the defensive component, right? Like, Castellanos saved the Phillies' bacon in Game 1 against the Braves. He saved it against in Game 1 against the Astros. Um True. Look, hey, neither of those so, guys is setting the world on fire. Right. So we're we're, right. we're, we're yeah. arguing. You know, neither's going to get get the World Series MVP. On the other hand, um, Hoskins got six home runs and twelve RBIs in sixteen games, which to me is a bigger contribution than those couple of catches Castellanos made. Again, hey, Castellanos ni- neither like, guy is going to walk off with the trophy. And yeah. where's Castellanos at? He's he's probably close to ten RBIs so far. I'll let you know in a second. Right. I'll look at too. Yeah, look, look. Some some of what we're we're batting around here has to do with the nature of baseball playoffs. It's everything is tight and condensed, and things can turn very quickly. So, as we pointed out earlier in, earlier in the show, for instance, you know, JT Romuto hits a clutch home run in Game One in the tenth inning to win the game, and he's one for seventeen since then with eleven or twelve strikeouts. Um, that's the nature of postseason baseball. You're, you're rarely going to find somebody who is as consistently great as seven RBIs Bryce, for Castellanos. But. Okay, there you go. As consistently great as Bryce Harper has been throughout this postseason. Go back to 2009, for instance. Ryan Howard was the most valuable player of the League Championship Series. He was he, he pretty much single handedly beat the Dodgers, and then he had a terrible series against the Yankees. So, right. you know, it, it, it's just the way a, a Okay, but part goes. of it is, you're right, and it's the, you know, you're playing five games, seven games, and if a guy has five bad games in June, nobody really notices, right? You go two for 18 in a stretch in June, it's like, well, whatever. You go two for 18 in the World Series, and you're a bum. However, not that I'm making a huge argument that Reese Hoskins is the MVP in anything, but Castellanos is having a disappointing postseason coming off of a disappointing season. Mm-hmm. Castellanos yeah. has not been hot since 2021. Yeah, no, that's that's all true. And and it's kind of to your point, right, Glenn? Like, you know, the, the Phillies don't beat the Braves without the Hoskins three-run homer in Game 3. And he hits four of them against the Padres. How, how rare is it that a guy hits four home runs in a league championship series and isn't the most valuable player of that league championship series? It's crazy to think about. Um, but you're right. But, but again, that's the point of postseason baseball is that a slump can last a game. You know, we've spent a good portion of the show dwelling on one moment in Game 5 about Brandon Marsh and should they have hit and run or should they have had him bunt and all that. And that's what, that's what makes playoff baseball great is that you're, we're going to spend years talking about that. Cool. 
Mike Sielski, Glenn Mack, now 94 WIP. We'll get back to the callers in a moment, but this is the time of the show. We always check in with our friends from Cooper Bone and Joint. Dr. David Gelt is with us this morning. Hello, Doc. Hey, guys, don't say Thanks for the uh, TV wreck. I'm looking uh, forward to listening to that one. It's a great show. Everybody feed Phil, or somebody feed Phil, excuse me. It's a great show you should watch. All right, so uh, two guys we want to ask you about. Let us start with uh, James Harden. And I wish I had more detail on this because I'm sure that would be helpful to you. He has a right foot tendon strain. I can't tell you what tendon it is. I don't even know how many tendons one has in the foot. <laughs> uh, but he took a hard fall in the game against Washington on Wednesday, stayed on the court for a couple minutes, got up, reached down, grabbed at his knee. Not sure how that's related. Um, was in noticeable pain, went to the locker room, and now appears to be out for a month. Again, I can't tell you it's the particular tenon, but do you have any? Can you weigh in on this a little bit? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously the details are uh, are not there, um, so we're not sure which tendon or how bad it was or where it is. Um, but tendon in, in general, if it's like a, a tendon on the outside of the foot or underneath the foot, um, obviously there's different variations on how bad an injury could be. You could stretch it out, you can have a partial tear, or you can have a full tear. Um, initially, he said it was a month, and then I think they came out the other day that it may not be as bad as they thought. Um, so hopefully it's just a, you know, a, a strain or a Well, what they said is they're going to reevaluate in two weeks, but I okay. feel like they always say that. Yeah, that's true, true. Um, but with any soft tissue injury, you have to obviously let it heal. Sometimes you have to rest. You may be in a boot now, um, and you do some rehab. Hopefully it's not a, a full tear where you have to reconstruct or do any surgery. Um, I'm sure they're going to get some more studies with MRIs and, and such, but hopefully it's you know just a, a, a little setback uh, for the season and we can get back to get rolling. Uh, Dr. Gale, the Eagles pretty obviously missed Jordan Davis <laughs> against the Texans the other night uh, when it came to their run defense. He's got what is believed to be, and I think the Eagles have confirmed, a high ankle sprain. Um, they're saying he's going to be out, what, five weeks, I believe. Um, yeah. What are what, Tell our audience how bad a high ankle sprain can tend to be and what kind of shape do you think Davis could be in once he comes back? Yeah, so high ankle sprains are, are tough issues. Uh, it's actually sometimes better to even have a, sometimes a fracture than a high ankle sprain because of the time of recovery. Um, but a high ankle sprain is basically it's in between the shin bone and the bone on the outside. There's a little uh, sheath in between there that can get stretched out and irritated. So if you squeeze the shin with the, other, uh, with the leg, um, sometimes you get pain there, and that's why it's called a high ankle sprain. Um, but because of that, it can take longer to heal um, versus what normally you do if you twist an ankle and you have an injury uh, on the outside of the ankle or the foot. Um, but usually you have to let this heal. You're in a boot. Sometimes you're not weight bearing for a period of time. That's why it take about five to six weeks. Um, and then you have to do some rehab thereafter. Being that he's such a big guy too, sometimes it takes a little bit longer. So it's a, it's a tough situation with a high ankle sprain. We always want to, if we can avoid that, uh, we can. But unfortunately, it's uh, something that we have to deal with. All right. Well, and more important medical news, what's your medical opinion of tonight's Phillies game in the World Series? Uh, well, we'll see. I mean, it's all up to – I'm not sure about Wheeler. We, I know we didn't talk about him with, uh, you know, is he hurt or does he have a dead arm or, or mm -hmm. what, but hopefully his uh, velocity comes back up. And I'm hoping at least gets through the uh, uh, the Astros lineup at least once or twice maybe, and then we can see how he does. But I think it all comes up to him, and then obviously the bats got to start, you know, start hitting. 
Well, Doctor, Piers, I'm the, a, I, Piers, the doctor's hedging, in fact, is a, a true strong. I'm, I'm hoping game seven. I, I actually, I was at uh, my daughter's soccer game, and someone was telling me that the Phillies have never been in a game seven. Correct, uh, in, in their history. That's right. correct. Yeah, so that hopefully right. uh, we'll, we'll change that. Well, Doctor, what do you think about Wheeler and his arm? I mean, can the six days off help him? Should they help him? Uh, I mean, time is, is the best thing. I know they actually obviously pushed him. He was supposed to play the other day, and they pushed him to, um, you know, until today, so... Uh, we'll see. I mean, his velocity did drop a little bit. I don't know if it was, you know, from his forearm injury that he had you know, last month. Is that catching up to him a little bit? You know, he's he's running on fumes right now with any pitcher. But I know. Hopefully, he'll uh, he'll gut it out and we'll uh, we'll have a victory. Well, there you have it, Doctor uh, Geld. Always a pleasure. Enjoy your week. How's your daughter's soccer team, by the way? Are they any good? I got to do right really well. They had the last game today, so. Um, First second grader, so you know it's oh, always fun. Okay. Oh jeez, <laughs> I get it. Right, so mostly they just run around and kick each other. Yeah, uh, like there's going to be major off-season changes, I think, if it doesn't go well today. I don't right. know. Uh, yeah. Dr. Gelt, always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. All right, go Phillies. All right, there you go. Take care. Go Phillies. Um, the and and he mentioned or you mentioned the the thing with Jordan Davis, which is high ankle sprains are tough to recover from. They're tougher when you weigh 325 pounds. Yes, yes, very much so. That's a lot of weight and pressure that's being put on that ankle. Seeing so, him back yeah. for the playoffs, baby. Maybe it's a situation similar to Zach Wheeler. Well, he'll be, he'll be well rested for the start of the postseason, and we'll go. see how it goes the later the postseason goes. I like it. All right, Bob and Penn Saucon is here. Hey, Bob. Hey guys, how you doing? Hi, Bob. Hey guys, um, talk a little Phillies here. Problem I'm having is with. Segura, he ain't driving the ball. I mean, and I think it's time we do shake it up. I know this is game five of the World Series, or game six, sorry. And it's tough to change a lineup, but it's 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 just basic. We haven't so what done do you, what do you want to do? What, what is your strategy here, Bob? My strategy is, I don't know, put Sosa in a shortstop for a change. Try to get some life going, man. We haven't done nothing at all. It's the same eight, nine guys. It's basically, there's a Bob, reason. That they are, they are, they got to the World Series. They are now playing their, whatever, 180-something game of the year, of the season, because sure. starting in June, these players, these players that you are quitting on, these players that you do not believe in got on this streak that brought them to Game 6 of the World Series. And because they have lost two in a row, you are ready to dump the entire thing. I didn't say dump them, Glenn. All I'm saying is Stott is, looks like he's completely tired. I know this is his first rookie. All right, so Stott's tired. Segura is no good. Uh, who else Who else you want to put on the bench or move on? Now you put words in my mouth, Glenn. I didn't say Segura is not good. I'm just saying we need some life, and he's not doing it, man. I'm sorry. You uh, keep blaming Nick. I mean, why? Seriously, it's not Nick. Uh, no, why I'm I'm, I'm telling you what Nick I'm is sorry. doing, which is playing poorly. But I am it's not, not doing what you are doing, which is saying, you know what? They lost two games in a row. Let's just put all the names in a hat and pull them out. I no, I didn't say that, Glenn. I'm saying make a basic changes. Put put Sosa in that shortstop. Give Scott a game off. That's it. All I'm saying is put some life in it. Uh, There's a reason the top has been a, a bench coach for 30 years. Okay? He made one good move in this whole series by putting Alvarez come in the fifth inning. That's the only thing he's done bright in this whole series. He hasn't done nothing all series. One move. He's a bench coach for a reason, Glenn. 30 years.
I love you. I'll talk to you next week, pal. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Cole. <laughs> All right. Be well. Wow. Um, there's a lot Who's there. Who's going to be the Glenn. National League Manager of the Year, by the way? You have any Probably thoughts? Rob Thompson. Who, no, the, the Phillies are, I think, what, 30 games over 500 since Thompson took over as manager. Um, Edmundo Sosa, um, who apparently is just this uh, – he's Alex Rodriguez and just hasn't been unleashed yet uh, by Rob Thompson – and I um, listen. I like Sosa as a guy, and if and if well, he's, he's going to he'll play him against certain pitchers, and, that, and that's yeah. Fine. He played him earlier in the series um, yeah. when yeah. when Wheeler started, I believe, the game two. Um, but yeah, look, never mind that Gene Segura was the guy who got the the line the RBI single to right center field in the eighth inning that, that made it three to two the other night, um, and it's gotten some big hits throughout the postseason. Look, I, I get it. You know, the, the Phillies are this close. People are frustrated. Um, they're seeing a team that has mashed the ball for virtually the entire postseason, and they see the last two games, and they want change for change's sake to kind of shake them out of it. I- I'm not convinced that's going to work. What they what they need to do is, you know, go out there and and hit Valdez tonight. And the best chance you have to do that is with the players, generally speaking, who've been in the lineup for yeah, this series. And, and I hear what he's saying about Stott. Stott, I believe, doesn't have a hit yet in the World Series. So I- I'm not arguing that Scott Stott is cold. I'm not even arguing that it would be a terrible change if that's what the manager thinks. But I guess we've had maybe one call too many today that says, you know what, everything that got him there, let's just like throw that all in the trash and start anew. This team needs a shakeup. It doesn't need a shakeup. It just needs to hit the ball. Yeah, and, and the other thing at play here, Glenn, real quick, is that the Astros, again, are really, really good. Yeah, they're you know, pitchers. anybody who went into this thinking the Phillies were going to roll them in four or five games, sorry, yeah. that is not the opponent that they're up against. No, the pitcher tonight is really tough, but we will remain confident. Coming up, we're going to talk some football with our pal Derek Gunn. Coming up next, Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack, now on 94 WIP. Hurts backs up. Looking, still looking. He is firing, and it is a touchdown, A.J. Brown. Hurts made it look easy. A.J. Brown did the escape act, was wide open, and Hurts merely lobbed them the football. Ho-hum, another A.J. Brown touchdown. Becoming boring. Uh, No, it's not. Uh, Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack, now this hour, sponsored by Meridian Bank. Business banking at its best. Visit them at meridianbanker.com. All right. Pleased to uh, have an old friend of ours. He's a co-host for Jacob Media, Jacob Sports Media, Eagles pre- and post-game shows, plus their sports take show Monday through Friday, noon to three with Rob Ellis, our pal, and Barrett Brooks, and the Gun on One podcast cooks up a mean barbecue as well. Derek Gunn is with us. Hey, D, how are you? Hey, guys. How are you doing? All doing right. Great, All right. Let us uh, let us review Thursday's game. Eagles uh, go on the road, short week, win, never seem in trouble of losing, but uh, some shortcomings uh, during the game. What is your bottom line, the Derek Gunn bottom line on the win in Houston? The bottom line is they once, once again found another way to win a game. When you stack up who the Eagles will be measured against, whether it's you know the Dallases, the Kansas Cities, the Buffaloes, they are the only team that has found a way to overcome all adversity to get to where they are, which is the only undefeated team still standing in the National Football League. But like you just said, you do see some patterns there, and you wonder if they don't make some type of changes, 
Will it come back and catch them eventually? But, you know, it's almost like they play down to the competition and then a light switch goes on and says, okay, enough of this. And they turn it on and put some distance between themselves and whoever they're playing. Um, that's, that's a great luxury to have now. But as you know, Glenn, sometimes bad habits are habits you can't get away from and eventually they, they get exposed. Gunner, you've been covering this team for a long time. Um, is there a previous Eagles team that this one reminds you of, that you draw parallels to, where you're watching this team and you're saying, you know what, this reminds me of 2000-whatever? I would say the 2004 team. I mean, that team mm-hmm. was just just mowing people down. They were manhandling people. At the end of the season, they called off the dogs, basically. Uh, they they could have been 15-1 and one, uh, at a minimum that year. I think this is a better overall collection of talent uh, with this team, but it reminds me very similar to what that team did in 2004. And, of course, that team went on to the Super Bowl and didn't win it, but, you know, they were just such a dominant team for so many reasons. Well, I'll give you another thing that reminds me of that team, and we came in with the highlight of A.J. Brown, and uh, we all remember what Terrell Owens brought to that team that year and how much he helped the whole offense. Uh, A.J. Brown had a had a mere uh, four catches for 59 yards and a touchdown the other day. He is on pace for 90 catches, 1,500-plus yards, which would be a franchise record, and 13 touchdowns. Derek, I thought he I thought he would be special. I, I don't know that I thought he would be historic uh, by this franchise. 528.com did a, um, a an analytical study of the best receivers in the NFL the other day and ranked him number one overall um, ahead of Kelsey and Tariq Hill and Stephon Diggs. Has anything, as I said, I thought he'd be good, but he surprised me how good he has been. What's your kind of bottom line and what you've seen out of him and, and how it's helped the others? No, basically he is the same receiver that I watched in Tennessee when he started off his career with back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. Um, my my concern going into the season is even though he has such a close relationship with Jalen Hurts, how would he be used in this offense? And obviously it was evident right from the start of the season that those two had an incredible connection. You cannot cover him one-on-one. He's such a big physical specimen. He has his second gear. He can run away from you as well. But his hand his hand strength is, is what makes up the sum of the whole with him. He has such incredible hand strength. I equate him to DeAndre Hopkins of Arizona. Uh, when you talk about just, you know, once he gets his hands on the ball, they don't drop many. And they're the type of receivers, when you talk to them after games, it's not so much about what you did, but, man, I could have done this a little bit better. I love the mindset that he has, you know. Uh, he talked about how, he, man, I shouldn't have dropped that one pass or I shouldn't have dropped two passes. He is such an incredible physical specimen. He is probably, my goodness, the most physical wide receiver in the NFL. When you look at most wide receivers, they're more about finesse than they are being brute, uh, brute strength. But he combines that strength with, with, that, with the athleticism and the speed, uh, which makes him such a complete weapon. So I'm not surprised how he's playing his game here. I just didn't think it would click when the game started that quickly between those two. Gunner, the one glitch defensively that seems to be coming up over and over again is their run defense. We saw it again Thursday night. Obviously, they don't have Jordan Davis. How big a concern is this for you? And if you have any theories as to what the Eagles and Jonathan Gannon ought to do to try to address it, I think all of us would be curious. 
Well, I think they've got to play better gap control. Um, you know, I knew the kid, Damian Pierce, was a good running back, fourth round back coming out of Florida. But uh, And I was so intrigued about seeing him because I'd heard so much about him. That young man, um, I'm telling you, you, know, you talk about strength. First of all, the Eagles have to shore up the tackling. The tackling has been atrocious in a lot of ways. Uh, secondly, they've got to play better gap control because you have coming up on your schedule, and these are teams that the Eagles – could, should and could be able to beat. If he's healthy, you still have Jonathan Taylor. You still have the dual combination in Green Bay of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Derrick Henry is going to get the ball at least 30 times, and you got that kid named Saquon up, up, the, up the Jersey Turnpike. So, you know, if, if, this, if these bad habits continue, giving off five, six, eight yards chunk, uh, chunks of real estate, Eventually, somebody's going to be able to control the clock enough to where your offense can't get back on the field enough times to do enough damage to put you over the top. You know, when you, when you look at their next opponents, okay, you know, Washington's in transition. Taylor Heineke gives them, them a better chance to win than Carson Wentz. They have Antonio Gibson. The Colts are a mess, but they do have Jonathan Taylor and a decent defense. Green Bay has no receivers right now, but they do have a good running game. Tennessee's quarterback issues are up up for grabs. You don't know if Tannehill's coming back. And if Malik Willis is your quarterback, you're not, Tennessee's not going to beat you just throwing the ball five or ten times a game. And then, of course, you don't know which Daniel Jones is going to show up, although I will say Brian Dayball has got him playing much better than any other coach has had him playing in his tenure in the National Football League. So all of these teams have parts, but I haven't seen a team that, that has a whole – that could go toe to toe with this team and score 30, 30, you know, 28, 30 points a game. But they do have legitimate running games that could keep these games a lot closer than they should be. And as we've seen across the NFL this season, any given Sunday, we've seen so many upsets week in and week out. Any given, given Sunday, you just don't know what could possibly happen. Derek Gunn is our guest. You can follow him on Twitter at RealDGunn, G-U-N-N. He is known for his football acumen, more so really for being a bass fisherman, but uh, we uh, don't really need to ask him about that. And barbecue aficionado. A bass fisherman who's only got to fish three times this entire year because of granddad duties, picking up grandkids from daycare, and I haven't barbecued in over two months. Well, uh, let me put it this way. I see your your social media, your Facebook feed with those adorable grandkids, and, and just yes. adorable is the word. Nice okay, you, my you got it. Okay, so philosophical question, or not philosophical, but kind of where they are question. Earlier in this season on WIP, Donovan McNabb was on, I think, with our afternoon guys, and he said, he said at the time, and I, I don't want to come down too hard on him because it was really like early October, he said the Eagles are really built for next season and down the road more so for this season. I believe we can say Donovan was wrong on that one, um, but I want to kind of turn it to how imperative is it that they win this year? And the reason I ask you that is, Derek, you know what quarterbacks make in this league. Um, sure. And pretty soon, they're eventually, they're going to have to say, okay, well, Jalen Hurts is uh, obviously the most underpaid quarterback in the NFL. We're going to have to change that. And that's going to impact the future in terms of you've got all these guys on one-year deals, Kaiser White and James Bradbury and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Robert Quinn and other guys, T.J. Edwards. And to me, the, particularly when I look at the rest of the NFC, this is it. This window is wide open, and I don't know where it's going to be next year. 
I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and Glenn, as you look ahead, they're, they're armed with great positioning for the upcoming draft. Now, they have two first, a second, and a third. And as, a, as it stands right now, they don't have another pick until the seventh round. But when you look at the, the draft that they've uh, uh, acquired over the last two years, 2021 and 2022, they have put themselves in a great position with youth. We all know they're not going to be able to keep everybody. I don't think there's any way they're going to bring back Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave on a big ticket in 2023. One of them would have to, if they decide they want to keep both, one of them is going to have to take a reduced amount of money. I don't see that happening. Or one of them may have to go. Eventually, you're going to have to make way for a guy likes of Milton Williams and, of course, Jordan Davis. The youth movement is on here, but they do have enough veteran presence right now to sustain this thing uh, longer than than one year. Uh, you know, you, you just gave A.J. Brown a contract extension. You know, you know Devontae Smith isn't going anywhere. The key is how they approach the running back situation. Uh, we, I don't see them paying big, big money to a running back. Now, how much is Miles Sanders worth to them, and what is Miles and his agent thinking in terms of what is his value on the market? He's on pace for a 1,000-yard season. Right now you have three potential receivers on pace for a 1,000-yard season and a running back on pace for a 1,000-yard season. Um, we, we know the quarterback is going to alter the salary cap at some point. But technically, if push came to shove, they don't have to pay the quarterback until the end of 2023. Now, we also know that Howie Roseman has been great in the past at identifying young players that they want to sign to long-term deals. Now, Jalen Hurts and his, his financial side have to decide, is the offer the Eagles making us fair, or do we push it and bank on ourselves to play under that rookie year for 2023? That's going to be interesting to see how they approach this after this season. But when you're talking about guys like Kazir White and James Bradbury, not only are they happy to be here, but they know they're auditioning not just for the Eagles but for other teams as well. So everybody's not going to stay here. How they fill the gaps next year is going to be interesting by way of free agency and the draft. And, again, I can't emphasize enough, if they want to contend the youth movement, they're in a great position to, to possibly get three star, a minimum three starters from where they're positioned in the draft next year. All right, Gunner. So to continue this conversation, what would you do with Jalen Hurts? Um, you know, would, would you are you leaning at this point more towards he's our guy? We take it for granted that we will keep him, and we will pay what we need to keep him. Or are you more of the mindset that hey, if we have to, you know, make the tough decision to say we can't afford to pay him because it will disrupt the formula that has led to this terrific season and disrupt um, the formula that allows teams in the NFL to succeed, that is getting great play out of a quarterback on an inexpensive rookie contract, what would you do? You know, uh, Mike, I've been asked that a number of times, and I'll tell you that if, if push comes to shove, I'm signing the quarterback. Um, because what you could sign him for now, whatever that number is, will still be cheaper. If he has another phenomenal season like he's having in 2023, the numbers only go up. There's nobody, I think we all agree, there's nobody better in the NFL at moving money around than Howie Roseman. Uh, he is great, a great cap strategist in terms of how to move money. Now, I would assume that would entail asking veteran holdovers to take restructured contracts again. And as we've seen in, in recent years, um, those, those players have complied with the organization's wishes um, to, to help make this team as good as it can possibly be. 
Um, if I'm in Howie's shoes, I don't want to wait until after that 2023 season uh, to sign this young man. Uh, he's at, he's checked off all the all the question mark boxes we've had about him from January leading up to the start of this season. His ability to be a more well versed quarterback, the arm strength, going through his progressions more, staying home in the pocket a little bit more, being more accurate, showing the arm strength that everybody was susceptible uh, and that had that was suspect about. I think he's checked off all the boxes, and I think he's shown up to this point that he is—he can be under that umbrella of so-called franchise quarterback. So if I'm Howie, and I know if I know Howie like I know Howie, he's already behind closed closed doors, working the numbers and looking at the plus and minuses of trying to get something done with him right now. And when I say right now, that could be any time between now and next spring. Yeah, I I think uh, it. I think that's a pretty sure bet. Derek Gunn, it is always a pleasure. Always look forward to uh, watching you, listening to you. Uh, give us what's the latest with the podcast. Uh, the podcast is, is going well. Uh, I'm going to have Meryl Reese on uh, next week uh, to talk a little football. You know, nice. When you, when you, I, you guys know this, uh, you know, Meryl is a legend in this region. But I jokingly said, Meryl, how do you feel about being called a legend? And, he, you know, he, he shies away from that. He goes, you know, I'm just somebody who's fortunate to do what I do as long as I can. So he doesn't like that. But I like to, I like to tease him every now and then call him the legend just to get under his skin. But, you know, who better to talk football with than a man who's been behind the mic for four decades plus who knows this team inside and out? So that, yeah. that podcast will drop early next week. Yeah, great. I look forward to that. And and when somebody has been doing something at his level for more than four decades, I think it's Absolutely. more than just right place, right time. He is, as are you, D-Gun. Always look forward to it. Thanks so much for your time. Guys, thanks for having me on. You guys have a great day. All right, pal. You too, Gunner. You're the best. Thanks. All right. I'm going to sneak in a call here, and I'm going to jump ahead because, uh, listen, People, I am not going to tell people they should have opinions other than what they have, but it's it's been a little... I don't know, Mike. Downcast about the Phils today? Not getting a lot of optimism on that? A, a little frustration. A little, okay. uh, you know, antsiness, it. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I think Warren in Gwynedd Valley is going to give us exactly what we need going forward. Hello, Warren. Absolutely. Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks for taking Hi, my Warren. call. I, I was listening to a couple of the callers, and I completely understand their frustration. But you have to realize the situation um, that the manager's in and the team is in, and Above all, you have to have patience. You have to have patience for your pitch. You have patience for the players that they, they have to, you know, find their way. And my father would always say, you know, if somebody's not doing well, they're due. And um, I think, you know, some people may have grown up with patience and some people may not. But um, I, I feel like if you don't have patience, you're you're just going to miss a bigger picture in, in trying to, you know, scramble the board um, and then that's, you know, what is that going to do? It's going to get everybody all upset. So I, I'm for the way things are right now, and um, I think people just have to exercise a little bit of patience. And um, baseball is a tough game. It, the ball doesn't always bounce the way you want it to, and, and there's a lot of luck in it, and there's a lot of skill. And, um, it, you know, you can't make things happen that don't want to happen. It, it has to happen on its own. Uh-oh. So the Phillies are going to he, need. Mike, he's the right dangerously close and, to the. Well, that's baseball quote. <laughs> so the ball has to bounce your way, just like in any sport. And um, and the Phillies have not gotten their bounce in the last two games. Um, just to put it one way, 
Um, what, what do you guys well, think about? You know, I, I, I would say this. I would say this, Warren. There, there weren't any bounces to be had in Game Four because the Phillies didn't hit hmm. the ball hard enough for that for the ball to bounce anywhere. I mean, it was a lot of strikeouts and pop ups. But I, I think there's a lot of validity to what you're saying. And I, again, I, I get it. I understand that people saw the Phillies up two games to one and coming off of a rousing victory and thought, "Hey, we can close this out in five. And I, you know, envision that to a certain degree too. But um, this Astros team is really, really good, and it's a very you know, good team, absolutely. And yeah. um, if the Phillies haven't learned from the first couple of games that they're going to have to either, you know, shorten their swing or make more contact with the ball, this is this is a big learning experience for the fans and for the players. That if they if they don't change what they've been doing, you know, individually, then together as a team this won't be a win because uh, they can't strike out without making contact. They, they they have to be the ones that have to change. Yep. Can't argue with any of it. No, it's uh look, this is, this is to a degree, the nature of a world series. It's the nature of a short series. Um, I think everybody's kind of on edge about tonight and I get it. Um, but I don't think, you know, putting, a backup player into the lineup uh, for the sake of changing things is necessarily uh, the right route for Rob Thompson to go. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. We will take your calls coming up. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mackner. We're going to one o'clock. I think Go Birds Radio is coming on after that, and then that Go Birds Radio magically transition into Phillies pregame, all leading you up to the game tonight. Along with Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. This segment is sponsored by Meridian Bank. Business banking at its best. Visit them at meridianbanker.com. Before we get back to the phones, Mike, you uh, have, uh, well, seven and a half hours before the game. I'm sure you're going to show up there early, but uh, what are your plans for the rest of the afternoon? Uh, well, I'm going to get out of this studio and uh, grab myself something to eat. And uh, and as you said, Glenn, get to the park early. Um you know, covering a, any baseball game is a pretty long day. You know that. You get to the, let's assume it's a 7 o'clock start. Uh, on a routine night, you would get there at 3 o'clock in the afternoon at, a, at the earliest uh, and head down to the clubhouse. World Series game um, with an 8 o'clock Eastern start, I'll probably be at the park by, you know, 2 or 3 o'clock. And, uh, you know, kind Rob Thompson talked before the game. Kind of yeah, the, you don't get into the clubhouse before the game in the World Series, um, so they'll give us Rob Thompson and probably a player uh, before the game uh, in a press conference setting, and then we'll cover the game, watch the game, and then head on down to the clubhouse, win or lose. There you so go. it'll be uh, it's a it's a long day, but it's uh, should be a fun one. Uh, let's go to Joe in the Northeast. Hello, Joe. Hey, hey, Glenn. Mike, how you doing? Um, Hi, Joe. You know. Well, we need a great uh, pitching performance from Wheeler. But, uh, you know, um, how are we going to score some runs off this uh, Valdez? You know, he's, he's dominated us on, on, on two, two, uh, two occasions before, you know, a lot of strikeouts and all. So, you know, Veerling is definitely going to play center field tonight. But is Stock going to play shortstop? Or is, that, you know, the first, uh, first game against them um, in the World Series, they had Sosa? Yeah. Or do you yeah, leave Stott in there? You know, I, that's a good question, Joe. Um, you know, in, in general, Stott has the better bat. 
Um, although Sosa's hit fairly well uh, since coming over with the Phillies, at least been better than you'd expect. Um, it's going to be interesting because, as you said, Veerling and, and Sosa were in the lineup for Game 2. and So it wouldn't be a total shock to the system if they were back out there again. Uh, maybe we'll see just one of them. Um, you know, I, I would bet Verling, you know, is more likely to be in the lineup than um, than Sosa would be. Sosa, yeah, I'd rather see Stott. You know, I know Stott has no hits, but sometimes they say when you get that, you get up there against a left-hander, it kind of lets you stick, stay in there more. You know, uh, and, uh, you know, maybe um, with uh, Valdez keeping the ball down in the strike zone, uh, he might be better. Mike, you're out there. Maybe. By the way, Sosa went 0 for 2 with two strikeouts against him in the last game. Not that anybody. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. That makes makes a difference, yeah. Mike, you're out there in Houston, and and this is maybe a a public interest story. Uh, You know, I don't know if you would run into Mr. Milton or I love Cindy Webster's out there, but uh, uh, Joe Giulio had a call yesterday from a a husband whose wife had suffered in July uh, cancer of the jaw. And, you know, that's Mm. that's also a a Phillies um, uh, family has also suffered that. You, sure. you know what I'm talking about. So uh, they, they have wrapped themselves around the Phillies since then, watching them and all. So, you know, if some philanthropist or uh, somebody could, could, you know, what what a thing if this went seven games to, to get that couple out there to, to, to watch to watch the Phillies. I, I tried to call after the, the during the show last night, and uh, it was close to 10 o'clock, and the, they weren't picking up. But, uh, you know, somebody out there, I mean, the station has the man's phone number, and it really was, it, it was a heart, right. it, it gets to your heart, you know. I appreciate so, it. It's very nice okay. of you to bring that's that a, up. That's a great thought, Joe. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Tom in Haddonfield. Hello, Tom. Hey, how you guys doing? Great. Hey, Tom. Good. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I was just calling and I told uh, the producer, whatever, uh, I can't believe that I'm calling up to defend someone that is incapable of batting 200. However, Nick Castellanos has not contributed more than Reese Hoskins at all. He's the worst hitter in our lineup. His feet are never under him. He's swinging at garbage all the time, and he's batting behind our best hitter. And I don't understand at all how whoever called, you know, an hour ago or whatever says that he's contributing. The, the real culprit is Reese Hoskins. And I'm, I just don't understand. I think there's a bit of recency bias there, <laughs> Tom, to be honest, that Hoskins had a, had a rough game in game five. Uh, and so people are going to, you know, put things on him, whether you're talking about the strikeouts or the, the misplay at first base. Um, I think that's playing into it. And I think there's just... As we've said, there's a there's a high level of frustration here, and people are looking for, you know, ways to to lessen it for themselves, and they're going to look to somebody like a Reese Hoskins. You know, he was hitting before; he isn't hitting now. He's a butcher at first base. All of that. Um, that's that's part of what's at play here. I, I and I understand that, and I just I mean I just don't get the defense of Nick Castellanos. He's been awful the entire year, but. Anyway, people need to relax. We're playing a very good baseball team, and we've lost two games in a row. People, need, We're a good baseball team. Let's win tonight, and we'll take tomorrow day by day. People, uh, they want to change the lineup. Well, they, want to give, they want to give Stott a, a, a yeah, day off. Like, well, if we lose, then all of a sudden we're, there is no day off. Like, let's just relax, and we'll be all right. 
I like it, Tom. I I concur, and I think that, uh, that listen, people are nervous. Uh, they don't want it to end, and it's the nature of sports fans that you know they they get a little jumpy. Callers to the Glenn, station get a little panicky. Happens. Glenn, as as the great Frank Costanza would say, "Serenity now." That <laughs> uh, was a great soundbite. That was a great episode. Serenity now. There it is. <laughs> there we go. Well played, Kyle. Uh, Mitch, Center City. What's going on, Mitchie? Gentlemen, Jam. I tell you, I love the fighting fills tonight, and I got a score. I'll tell you later. But you know, it's a great feeling just to be at the World Series, and they're going to get their stuff together. You know, let's let's not go for the home runs all the time. Let's get you know small ball, get these singles and doubles, and get That's our right. guys. Get him three to two tonight. That would work. Yeah, I, I tell you the score. I love. I like five to three tonight. Oh, all right. Well, I'm mixing a home run if they get five. You know. To be in the World Series, what a feeling. I mean, I'm walking around the city, and everybody's got the jerseys and the whole bit. It's, it's a great feeling. It really is. It had. And, and let me let me chime in, because we talked about this at the very beginning yeah. of the show. And, and regardless of what happens, the season ends tomorrow, right? I yeah. mean, at, at, at yeah. best, the season ends with a victory tomorrow night right around midnight. Um, mm. The last month really was the great awakening of baseball in a city where it's largely been dormant for the better part of a decade. Yeah. And the fact that everybody got so excited, as you mentioned, Mitch, because I know your your place, your store is right down there at, what, South and 3rd, right? Sure, 5th and South, yeah. Yeah, 5th yeah. and South, excuse me. Um, yeah. I'm sure you just walk out of the store and you see everybody wearing red and everybody excited. Yeah. 46,000 people at the stadium. I was in Center City the other night, <laughs> and I was – a good two, three miles away, and I could hear people, um, like before the game, getting so excited about it. I was, I was yeah. leaving WIP, and um, it's been great. And regardless of how the season ends, I love that baseball yeah. is back. Yeah. Hey, Glenn, I'll see you tomorrow. You know, late afternoon, we'll, we're talk, we'll talk about the Sunday night game coming up. At oh, that's right. You and I are going to the same yeah. wedding. That's right. Yeah. Mitch's, um, Mitch's niece is getting married. She's uh, the daughter of great friends of ours. Yeah, Mitch, we'll find a seat at the bar, and we'll, uh, we'll toast the Phils. Yeah, I th- I, but I love the Phils tonight, 5-3. There you go. Love it. All right. Yeah. All Be right. well, guys. Thank uh, you. you too. Thanks, there Mitch. You yeah, no, Glenn, I think you're, you're tapping into something that's really true. I have a, I have a friend of mine, uh, my next-door neighbor, actually, who is a humongous Phillies fan, very, very devoted. And he told me he was at work, I guess it was last week, right when the series was beginning. And he was on a Zoom call. And, you know, he's there, but he's not really there. And <laughs> somebody throws the discussion to him Hey, you know, buddy, do you have anything to add? And he says, Phillies. You know, that's all he can think about. And um, th- baseball creates that in a way that football doesn't. I mean, I think Philly is a football town, but. It's not every night, and it's not the right. thing that's occupying your thoughts in the morning and the afternoon where all you're thinking about at work or at, at home with the kids is the game that night. You right. know, you count down it, the hours and so Yeah, on. can't wait yeah. for it. And, and you're right. It, it's a great thing that, that the sport has been revitalized as it has in the city. So this wedding I'm going to tomorrow, which is uh, Mitch Tool's niece, uh, starts at 4, right? Mm-hmm. So... What would be the or let, let's assume the Phillies win tonight. I'm going to be very confident in that. Okay. What is the and and it's probably 45 minutes from my house. What okay. is the earliest I can turn to my wife at the wedding and say, "Honey, let's get out of here." All right. Well, let's see. Uh, let's let's play this out. The All the right. the wedding starts at four. Is there a ceremony or is that the reception is at four? Know. 
Yeah, okay. Probably, well, that makes a difference. Be there that makes at four. A di- it's probably the, the, you know, I don't know. Okay. Let's let's assume um, that. I don't think I'm going to walk in the door as they're taking vows. If that's what you're saying. Okay. All right. So so let's assume to be generous, like an hour before the cocktail hour starts. Cocktail hour it's, starts at five. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so cocktail hour is an hour. They get you to six. Mm. Uh, you got to have dinner. Can't leave before dinner. Yeah, no, that's cool. I think so. Seven thirty. Seven thirty. Seven thirty. Okay, I can do that. Seven thirty would be okay. You, you're not going to dance. You got to dance. You don't dance. Uh, well, I, I, you know, I've called upon. <laughs> if drafted, I, I, I know would you've serve, had. You know, but not, I, I, I not know you've had much. a number of knee surgeries in your day. Uh, knee uh, surgeries. I got a uh, herniated disc on my back. I got every excuse, but I mean, I I would be game and get up there with my wife for one or two. You know. Okay, so the old if that's hokey the case, pokey or whatever they're going to do. Sure, why not? All right, so seven forty-five. You okay. you make you and Judy make your escape, yeah. And you are back home at eight thirty, and you've missed maybe an inning and a half. Yeah, a little John Smoltz warm up. That's yep. uh, Okay. Yeah, I don't know. My wife will go for that, but they, these are very good friends. She's gonna say like, these are like uh, really good friends. <laughs> I know, but they, they, man, they, that's they a tough nice. spot. That is a tough spot. I know, uh, honey. You can catch a ride home with the, you know the, our, our other friends. <laughs> if if it's any consolation, Glenn. Um, yeah. My wife Kate and I got married on a Friday night uh, at the end of September in 2007. It was the same weekend that the Phillies played the Washington Nationals um, and ended up clinching the National. What, a clincher? Yes. Yeah, so that the Friday, clincher. it was a great game. That Friday night, Cole Hamels struck out, you know, 12 <laughs> or 13 Nationals, <laughs> and this is the night of our wedding. And oh, so I had friends and family members heading out from the reception to the bar in the right. lobby of the hotel right. um, so that they could watch the game on TV. In fact, I think I mentioned this to you before, Bill Lyon wrote, mentioned it in his Sunday column because he was, at the, he was uh-huh. at the wedding, and that was his lead was how many people were, um, were filing out of the wedding to go well, catch you. the Phillies Nationals game. Well, there you go. Yeah, that may be me tomorrow. Uh, Jonathan in Plymouth meeting. Hey, John. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? All right. Doing great. Hey, I need the players to uh, lock in today, lock in on today, and focus in the game. And um, if we give it our all, if we're patient, and if we we can execute, we can really do it. We, I mean, we've seen it before. But my point is, uh, if if Rob Thompson sees any of the players with his head down for too long, he like you don't shake things up for no reason. But if if, if somebody's out of whack, you need, you need to pluck them for Maton or pluck them for Sosa. Uh, only if somebody's out of whack, though. You, you 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 be patient with them, but there's there's no ground to lose here. Yeah, I would be surprised if that happened, John. Um, I really would. You I'm would not. For sh- Maton. Yeah, um, I I would. I mean, you you just haven't done that during the course of the postseason. Um, and as I said earlier in the show, I think that a manager kind of uh, manipulating and wielding his pitching staff is so common in the playoffs these days that a team never gets phased by it. It's just kind of the cost of doing business uh, in a short playoff series now. But, you know, pulling guys because they don't seem like they're into it. Man, it's game six of the World Series. I think they're all going to be locked in. Um, I just don't think, uh, you know, if, if Nick Castellano strikes out again, I'm not sure you're you're yanking him out of the game um, for Nick Mason. just for that reason. No. Yeah. I think Maton's a, is a handy, useful little utility player, but I'm not. I'm not counting on Nick Maton to be my savior on November the fifth. 
215-592-9494. We've got a couple of calls uh, before we turn it over to what we've got to talk about with producer Kyle Quinn and turn it over to the next show, Go Birds Radio. With Mike Sielski, I'm Glenn Mack now, Saturday on 94 WIP. Mike and Glenn, 94 WIP. I am here in Philadelphia. Mike is down in Houston. Well, he will be reporting, writing for the Philadelphia Inquirer. You can read him tomorrow in the paper or online or follow him on Twitter. Ah, Mike, I don't have your Twitter page up. Which Twitter At Mike Sealski. There you go. Easy yeah. enough. Aaron in Oregon. If you can spell Sealski. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead, Aaron. Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? Great. Hey, Aaron. Hey. So, I'm so glad the calls start changing. I mean, if you're not optimistic about this team with only two games left, I mean, this team has just played 16 playoff games and played their butts off for the most part. And, you know, there's obviously – it's not time to get down on anybody right now. I mean, just get us to game seven with Ranger on the mound. Let Wheeler pitch his game he's got left in his arm this year. I mean, if you're down on a team that literally put a historic 8-0 Eagles team on the back burner – then you're just an overly critical individual. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, who would have ever thought an eight-no Eagles team would become secondary, and they and they within a month the Phillies did that. Yeah, pretty amazing. Well, I don't know about it. I, okay. Without putting the teams in order, I think you are correct in that the, the profile of the Phillies and their impressive feat has been uh, tremendous. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to put one team against other. Yeah, I'm yeah, just saying, like the Phillies, the Phillies, and and you know what? Like they they just have. I wanted to actually ask you guys a question. Do you think, because of what happened in Game 2, that it's counterproductive or productive to actually get ahead of Valdez and what he was doing on the mound in Game 2? Like, does it does it get in the Phillies' head by getting in his head that he's doing it to them? Or does it get in Valdez's head if you slow him down? Because he was just in a roll, and I was wondering why Thompson didn't go after, you know, something was going on there. I don't know what. Or even if nothing's going on there, would it get in his head? Or would it actually accent what he's doing and get in his own team's head? Good question. Mike, if you are Rob Thompson tonight, do you uh, say to him, like, yeah, do me a favor, go out and rub his ears, do the old Musgrove thing? I don't think it would be the worst idea in the world. Um, I wouldn't do it right away um, because it would come off a little desperate to do it really early in the game. Um, right. But, you know, it, it – would be something I would think about if I were Rob Thompson, um, because you don't want to you don't want to have to come away from this game saying, you know, uh, I, I I should have tried something and I didn't. You know, you want to you you want to empty the chamber, not to use a too graphic a metaphor, but you want to you want to leave everything out there tonight. If it gets and, rolling, yeah, yes, yeah, right, exactly. I, I think that's a good thing. All right, Karen from Fishtown is going to give everybody in town a little bit of a pep talk. She's going to be our last caller of the day. So we are counting on Karen to kind of get everybody in the right mood. Karen, I am told you have something important to tell the Delaware Bay. Oh, my goodness. There's a lot of pressure here, Glenn. But a couple things. Back in August when they asked us to purchase buy-off tickets and they were nowhere near the playoffs, I'm like, what the heck? Sure. And then when they won in St. Louis, I'm like, I'm going along for the ride. And each series I've been getting more, I've had more joy watching this team come from June steps to now. And we almost beat Verlander the other day. We had bases loaded one time. We had a man on first and second, and we almost won the game in the ninth. It was a game of inches. Priya Muto almost won the game for us. So come on. Get behind this team, have total faith, and most importantly, enjoy this ride. 
because we don't know when we're going to be there again. You know what? That was spectacular. That that was that was great, Karen. Especially the last line. I think that's something that um, people should take to heart. That you you don't know when this is going to happen again. Um, I think back to that that five year run uh, from 2007 to 2011, and I think everybody kind of thought, well. They won in 08, and they're going to be good, and there'll be another World Series down the pike. And um, it never, they never you know, were able to, to totally climb the mountain again. So enjoy this while it happens. Right. And they used to say, no one saves more than Bernie. Well, I'm going to say, in Rabbi Trust. I trust him up to this point, and whatever he does tonight, good or bad, look at what he's done for this season. And what, look at what he's done for the whole city. So go, Phils, keep your head up, and just enjoy what they've done. And what Karen, they can do. Perfect. Nicely done. There you go. What better way to close? That was that, that was like that was like Bryce Harper in the bottom of the eighth in game five of the uh, National League Championship series. I mean, you know, a lot of build up. You wonder if she can pull it off and she does. And she did. All right. Let us go to producer Kyle Quinn. Oh, before I go to Kyle Quinn, let me tell you that this hour is sponsored by Meridian Bank. Business banking at its best. Visit them at MeridianBanker.com. Now, let us go to producer Kyle Quinn and find out what we forgot to talk about. All right, fellas, just a few things, and I won't blame you for it because there's a lot going on locally here. Uh, some news out of the NFL, and this one might be considered bad news if you're an Eagles fan, depending on how you look at it. Dan Snyder looks like he's uh, finally exploring the sale of the Washington Commanders, guys. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, that's true. As long as he owns the franchise, we pretty much yeah. expect that they're going to be horrible. Um yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure on him to get out of there. He's uh, he's not only done a bad job at the franchise, he's just a bad guy. He was yes. under investigation for many, many things. I saw reports, Mike, that it's going to sell for like $3 billion or something. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think that should be surprising, Glenn, given the location, oh. given the power people in Washington, D.C. No, the, the franchise stinks now. But no, no, it's not. I, I'm Yes, the value of the franchise is not based on their one loss record. I'm just saying, right. any NFL franchise. Jeff Lurie bought the Eagles for I think 190 million dollars back in '94. Yes. Uh, whatever, that's pretty good appreciation. Yeah, it's look, football rules America. It really does. Yeah. It took it took Sunday mornings. Uh, it stole Sunday mornings from church, and it stole Sunday nights from 60 Minutes. I mean, it's amazing. Oh, good line. All right, uh, I know you guys have been wondering, what's the latest on uh, our old buddy Ben Simmons? Well, I'm going to let Adrian Wojnarowski take it away. <laughs> the fact that Ben Simmons has been, I think I think he's been a source of frustration mm. for Kevin Durant, for others on the Nets so far, because he has been unable, uh, now he's unable to stay on the floor with a knee injury, but prior to that, you know, he has shown uh, that he is a long way away uh, from being back to an impactful player. <laughs> That last line, fellas, is a nice way of saying he stinks at basketball. This is the least surprising development in the NBA this season, uh, I think. Um, you know, it's funny, Glenn. I'll listen to, you know, people who, talking heads and pundits who talk about the NBA and how good the Nets could be if, if only Ben Simmons would come around. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, who are you saying that for? Because if you've spent any time around Ben Simmons or talking to people about Ben Simmons or monitoring the Ben Simmons situation, there's just no way you could believe that this guy would would snap out of this and, and come back and be a productive player. 
Yeah, career disappointment. And and I don't really want to get into it, but the Kyrie Irving stuff is disgusting. Oh. I don't, oh. Uh, you know, uh, there's people wondering how you handle it. You handle it by just making him go away. All right, exactly. what else? All right, guys, one more thing, and we've ignored it for uh, for long enough, but uh, I think now with about two minutes left in the show is the perfect time to bring it up. The Philadelphia Union guys, they play for the title today at 4 o'clock in Los Angeles. Your uh, expert analysis, fellas? I am not somebody who follows that, but I certainly wish them and their fans um, great success, and I would love that to be. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 